What's up guys and welcome back to the ILB Drivers Club podcast. It's episode four. If you're watching this on YouTube, you will very clearly see that this is a bit of a different podcast because we are actually filming this episode from our homes. Uh, I have myself here in my home office. Uh, we have James in his living room. Yeah, we'll go with that. Living room. And we have <laughs> a very special guest. Because we're doing this from our homes, we thought, well, let's try and get somebody on that typically we wouldn't actually be able to podcast unless we flew across the Atlantic Ocean. So we have John Ludwig from Boston, or no, New Hampshire, sorry, just above Boston in the United yep. States with us. Yeah, what is going on, guys? Good to see you. Unfortunately, not in person, obviously, but it's great to uh, be doing this with you guys since we've both been talking about doing it for a while now. Absolutely. So for those of you that do not know John Ludwig, you will 100% have seen him in one of our videos, at least one of our videos. Uh, we have a bit of a habit every time we go to the US, uh, typically for H2O, to include John in our film. And it's now became a bit of a thing, John, hasn't it? It's been a bit of like a tradition now. It's pretty funny. And uh, I wish when you guys first came to H2O, to Ocean City and did your first uh, strip video. I wish we had been able to um, hang out more during the day because we had our TGC meet, our Governor's Club meet, yeah. and you guys got quite a bit of footage of that, even though it was a short-lived meet because of the amount of people uh, that kind of congregated. We shot the Corvair with you like afterwards, and it was already basically dark. So yeah. uh, the, the section in the video came out great, but it would have been awesome to have had more time together but after that it just so happens yeah. that each year you guys are in ocean city i've got a different car there and and i mean yeah it's cool that you guys have wanted to include those cars and absolutely. myself in those videos it's been awesome absolutely and I, you know what we'll definitely come back to that later in the podcast but uh, i just want to say real quick that obviously we have seen you quite a lot of other places not even h2o we know you because uh well that's what the first time we met you but we also seen you in worthy briefly um yep and we also, very briefly, and we also seen you down in Atlanta, and we also seen you in Florida. So we see you typically just all over. H have we seen you in England yet? I, I can't remember. Have yeah, we players. We yeah. did see you at players, yeah? Yeah, yeah players. Because I've done Players Classic at Goodwood three or four years now. And I know for sure, because 2015 was my first, yeah, 2015 was my first year. So it would have been four, four years now. Brilliant. And... And I've, it wasn't until the 2016, I think, until we kind of started hanging out and seeing each other more. And like, you know, we may have been friends on the internet before yeah. then, as most people in the automotive community are, I guess. But we, yeah, I've definitely seen you guys at Players Classic because we've been yeah. friends for the last four or five years now. So, so it's just funny. It's funny that like I see you guys. Yeah, it's, it's the story with so many other people that travel too. I mean, I see you guys in Europe just as much as I see you guys here in America and you aren't from America either. So Yeah, well here I've we find that a lot. Actually it's really strange. We don't really see many people um never mind Northern Ireland, we don't really see many people even from England in England. We always see them in Europe, so yeah, uh, yeah. even further ahead. So, so yeah. Um so do you want to introduce a bit about your brands because you have a couple of brands that are well known in the car scene um and you know you never know there might be one or two people in here that might be listening to this and not know what it is so give it while i, I fix like, my mic here because it keeps falling <laughs> uh you tell us a bit about your brands 
I'd like to think, well, I, I shouldn't say I'd like to think, but I would assume that most people that are listening to this don't know uh, basically like what I do. Uh, I'm from a... Sorry, that was my that was my Apple Watch. I was listening to everything you were saying. Right, yeah, sorry. you want to bring her in on the podcast too? Well, that I, is hilarious. I wish I'd heard what she, heard what she was going to say there. To be honest, before uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I started an automotive brand. I guess it, it kind of started as as just a group of friends and I. Basically, the Governors Club is is what it's called. And in 2011, I bought my first vintage Mercedes, and a few friends that had become good friends of mine through the car community here on the East Coast, had some vintage German cars. And at the time, a lot of the newer like windshield banner crews kind of started, like Dapper was starting to become really big. And like, I mean, it just, it kind of had like a weird image, all those like windshield yeah. banner clubs. And those were what they were and, and that and that's fine. But a few friends and I basically decided to start like the governor's club and, and, it all started with someone asked me if I named my cars and I don't, I said, no, I don't name my cars. And they said, well, if you were going to name this one, what would you name it? And it was my 69 Mercedes. And I said, well, I'd probably name it the governor just as like a, a joke. And then, so they started referring to me as the governor because <laughs> I was driving that car. And then I said, well, looks like we're the governor's club. And that's just, it started as a joke really. That's, and we made some, st that's actually pretty interesting. Some, I didn't know that. So that's uh that's pretty interesting. I like. I do. Like that. Do you have <laughs> any did. names for your other cars? Name. What was that? What was that, James? That's a much better name than we came up with. <laughs> it is a much better name than we came up with. I love bass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but it's kind of. It kind of came. It was just as organic. You know what I mean? Like there was no like depth to the name yeah. when it first started. It was literally. It came off the cuff just as easily as I love bass did. I'm sure. You know, like no, for lack of a better name or it's like I think this. think yours comes this. off a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be to be honest, years in, I, I, I really hated the name because once it really what happened was, was we, we made stickers, we made some shirts and I bought a different car, different Mercedes between 2011 and 2012. And I bought a 1960 Fintail. You've probably seen it, that brown Fintail I had. And I took that to H2O in 2012 and 13. In 2012, I was there with my buddy Matt Walm, Nick Pro, a bunch of other guys from the East Coast that had Mercedes and BMWs. And now we had like Governor's Club stickers on the back window of our car. And our first, and even still, we still sell the stickers, stickers now, but it was like an anchor with a crest and it kind of yeah. looked like a yacht club thing. The whole idea when it started as a joke was to be like the yacht club version of all these like window sticker kids. <laughs> right, like we're like, enough, well, we'll yeah. be the more refined like country club guys or something, you know, cause we're driving <laughs> older vintage cars and we'll just like present ourselves as like adults basically. And so we started driving around with these like yacht club looking stickers on our cars and more and more people were like, Hey, what's the governor's club? And we'd be like, don't worry about it. You know, it's a members, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a members only thing. And that's, uh, I had no, interest in really making it a brand of sorts you know yeah. but after that first year at h2o that i was there with the fintail enough people showed enough interest to where i was like you know what maybe i'll start a web store and i'll, I'll sell some stickers and and some other stuff and that's where it all started and then in what, 2016 what I, so what year 2000, was it yeah 2011 is when i kind of had the idea to start it but it was yeah. kind of like a joke 2012 by h2o 2012 is when it was kind of a thing so and that was your first year in H2O? 
No, my first year at H2O was 2009. Okay. Yeah, so so, so, so this will be 11 years this upcoming year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you were saying 2016. What what was it in 2016 you did? Well, 2016 is when I started uh, Night Laser, which I can right. glaze over so this, real that's, quick. But that's your other brand. That's uh, You have the Governor's Club and then the Night Laser, which is now your main business. Yeah, yeah. And... and and to, to correlate with the Governor's Club, when I started Night Laser, I was able to start making all of my hard goods merchandise for the Governor's yeah. Club as well. So that's when I kind of started focusing on TGC as like merchandising things a little bit more because I was able to like experiment with products and, and make my own stuff too. So I didn't have to like, I'm not a designer by trade, so I didn't have to design something and be all in on it and then pay someone else to make thousands of dollars yeah. worth of merchandise or something you know so Absol there's a lot to be said for for doing what you do in the way that you do the design and the you know the manufacturing of the things you can play with it and if you're not happy with it oh just go and make another one make it a little bit different um because my eye keeps getting um attracted to your sign behind you did you just did you design that yeah i did actually and and <sighs> There's a lot of, like, I stress out about design real hard. I'll, I'll see something in my head, and I'll know exactly what the visual should be. But when I sit in front of my computer, I find myself just, yeah. like, YouTubing tutorials on how to use the program rather than focusing on the design <laughs> I'm trying to work yeah. on. And it gets really frustrating. And I know I'm not the only one. But I'm actually really proud of that because I actually designed that myself. And, and a lot of the TGC stuff... A lot of the new TGC stuff, I've like paid friends of mine who are graphic right. designers and we'll get like a look board together and we'll actually like, you know, kind of do it professionally. But this, yeah, I kind of like threw that together. And then the actual sign, if you're watching on YouTube, the actual sign behind me is actually laser cut wood. So the black pieces are really just yeah wood that I painted. And then uh, the raised lettering is just individual letters I laser cut out of wood as well. So I was able to, yeah, design it. Uh, which was the hardest part in my opinion yep. and then laying it out as vector lines and then yeah laser cutting everything and assembling it that's that's kind of what i've done with the business but yeah as you said night laser is my full-time job and and that has been carrying me for yeah five i'm in my sixth year now Brilliant. so it's it's but i mean and as far as as far as like brands that's basically it but another thing that takes up a lot of my time, other than the Purpose and Passion podcast now, which uh, is, the, is, by the way, that for anyone listening, that's the sign that's behind him. Uh, it's his podcast logo. So forgot to mention yeah. that. But yeah, yeah that's, for that's anyone, what I was on. Yeah. yeah, for anyone listening on uh, Spotify or wherever you guys stream this audio-wise. But yeah, the other thing that... That's a nice plug there for you, John, while you're listening, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the other thing that takes up a lot of my time is uh, my music project, which is The Rising Sea. And and I've been a musician my whole life. And as you guys know, we've talked about possibly doing some yeah. music stuff for some of your videos uh, for years now. But being self-employed and having Night Laser, I mean, that that's a 24-7 thing. Even if I'm not super busy work-wise, I'm busy mentally trying to like generate the next job, the next you know bit of business or yeah. whatever. So it, it takes up a lot of mental capacity, but music is my main passion. And uh, you guys may have remembered Worthy, the Felgen Tilt Worthy yeah. 2018 film. I actually wrote and recorded the intro film, uh, the intro soundtrack to that film. And that was like an honor for me because if I were to, if someone were to ask me what my dream job is, it would be like a Hans Zimmer type 
<laughs> composer to like literally sit in a studio and write movie scores. That's it. Yeah. And and each year that passes that I'm not focusing on music, I realize that I'm not as motivated as I, as I should be. <laughs> well, I know from firsthand uh, experience, as does James, how hard it is to find music for after movies. And, you know, I, I pride ourselves on the fact that a lot of people uh, comment. It's one of the biggest comments that we get is your music's awesome in all our videos. Um, yeah. But it is so hard to find good music for after movie videos. So, uh, you know, yep. Hans Zimmer definitely is a hero <laughs> in my house. Oh, uh, I actually yeah. went and seen yeah. him. I actually went and seen his concert live in Dublin. Um, Recently, he, right? He, yeah, he wasn't there. Like uh, it was like a orchestra, his orchestra or something. But it was incredible. But yeah, definitely um, love listening to his stuff as well. So yeah, some of my favorite for sure. Yeah, so and I don't want to be. I don't have like dreams of being like a, a huge composer with like an orchestra in front of me. I mean, that'd be incredible, but. Uh, more or less like some of these like these solo projects like that guys like Danny Boyle and a couple other like uh, I don't want to say smaller producers but like Danny Boyle's used a lot of like actual bands he's used Godspeed You Black yeah. Emperor in in um 28 Days Later he used them again in Sunshine and like I really enjoy some of those producers and directors yeah. that use like bands like i knew who godspeed you black emperor was before i even saw 28 days later and so that scene when cillian murphy comes out of the hospital and he's walking through a desolate london i like i knew that song and that's kind of that's what motivated yeah. me to be like man like i could probably if i focus hard enough and i'm skilled enough i could like do the same thing i could actually write music the way i like to write music and actually be a part of like a movie soundtrack scene well, it's absolutely refreshing to hear someone that has got other passions going to your podcast name there, and yet you are doing these other, all these other things. So, fair play to you. It's very interesting. Yeah, I and appreciate it. cars in between. Yeah, and all. <laughs> hey, man, you've got, a, like, you've got a few cars, John. Shall we talk about your cars? Yeah, we'll talk about whatever you guys <laughs> want to talk about. <laughs> James you Duffy know, will probably be able to uh, remember it more of them than I do because there's too many of them. <laughs> Uh, well, it, I'm just, I'm impressed by the size of your truck and trailer. That has to be the longest <laughs> thing that I've ever seen. Like, it's ridiculous. And then the car that you put in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. That so that's that's a long unit even here in America. That's that's yeah. a that's a pretty serious sized unit for for like a normal pickup truck standard. You know what I mean? Like, you know, obviously we've got our long nose Kenworth and Peterbilt like road tractors with 50 foot boxes behind them. But as far as just like having a pickup truck <laughs> and a car behind you, yeah, I'm sorry, a lorry from, from the exception of having a lorry. Uh, yeah, it's a big, it's a big unit. Cause it's a crew cab for anyone who doesn't know it's a, I've got what, what we call here in America an OBS Ford, which stands for old body style. I've got a 1993 Ford F350 crew cab the four door with a long bed, which we call a long box. It's an eight foot bed <laughs> dually, which is like, you know, the four wheels in the back. And it's a 7.3 international turbo diesel with a manual gearbox behind it, which is a truck that I've wanted since I was a kid. And I, I took a long time trying to find one for the right price and the right mileage, the right condition. So I finally bought it. And that truck itself is as long as a city block for the most part. And I just recently <laughs> I just recently bought an enclosed car trailer and I'd spec'd a few out that were 18 footers that my Corvair could fit in. And then my buddy, Mike Cashman, who, you know, who you guys filmed his hot rod yep. in the third strip video. He's the, the most one, American guy I follow on Instagram. 
<laughs> yeah. So so he's got a he's got an 18 foot enclosed trailer, and we use that trailer to haul my Corvair about eight hours to upstate New York for a huge hot rod show called the Syracuse Nationals. And it was a tight fit. And this was in the middle of me kind of specking out an enclosed trailer. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll buy a 20 footer. And then I bought the Toyota Century and that thing is 20 feet long. So now I'm like, well, now I need a 24 foot enclosed trailer. <laughs> so yeah, to go back to James's uh, joke there, th that truck with the 24 foot enclosed trailer behind it with a 20 foot car in it that weighs just as much as that truck does is quite a, yeah, it's, it's quite a unit going down the road. I'd actually be <laughs> interested in pretty it. Much a, go ahead, James. <laughs> It's pretty much a bendy bus lock. <laughs> I don't know if they have them in America, but definitely we have bendy buses here. And 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 we're saying, by the way, that's going to be a big thing in this podcast because we are doing it over uh, Zoom. Um, we may uh, talk over each other, so apologies if you are listening and we start talking over each other. But um, I'm actually wondering, is that legal in the UK? Could you legally own that rig in the UK and drive it? Because I reckon it's too long the the truck the truck itself you could you could buy that truck and import it to the uk and, and drive it now i'm obviously not from the uk so i'm not well versed mm -hmm. on like all of the logistic uh laws in the uk but the truck doesn't have air brakes which is usually a pretty worldwide standard like if a truck if like a lorry or a tractor trailer truck has air brakes that puts it into a whole different class right. uh my Ford is rated as a 10,000 pound GVW. And here in America, if it's, if you're 10,001 or more, you need special licensing to drive it. Right. Okay. And, and, and so the reason why that truck is rated 10,000 is so that any, anyone can just get in and drive it like a normal pickup truck. So I don't know, as far as like, See, I don't I'm know if the councils in like different cities or different <clears throat> places in the UK or Northern Ireland where you guys are, I don't know what the laws are, but I, I could, I could, uh, I haven't pulled the tape yet to see how long that whole, that whole unit is with yeah. the trailer behind it. But yeah, you guys might need some special permitting to drive. That I, I have a feeling that where there's a max limit on the length of a trailer. So it'd be interesting to see what, uh, well, there definitely is going to be a limit, but I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm interested to see if uh, that whole rig's too long for our roads. Because of course, we're, our, our lorries as you, or our trucks are actually limited in length. That's why the front of them are flat. And in yep. America, they have massive noses for the engines. And um, and, and, and the, the what we call a cab over, which is basically your guy's lorry. Basically okay. any lorry in, in, in a Europe is basically what we call a cab over. And that started... Right. That started as being known as a cab over engine. You know, basically the cab is set down over yep. the motor and yeah, there's no nose to it. And that allows, although it's got the aerodynamics of a brick, basically, yeah. it allows you to be able to uh, steer around tight areas in industrial complexes. Or in your case, in these old, old cities and towns that were built when people were just pulling oxen or riding horses, you know, you can't you can't get around in a town or yeah. through a town or into a city with a long nosed Peterbilt. Whereas here in America, we have a great expanse. You know, I mean, obviously we've got cities and tight industrial cities and whatever. But when you're hauling cross country from the east coast to west coast, there's a massive amount of America in the middle there, where <laughs> these long nosed trucks are like more aerodynamic and yeah. yeah. So having a cab over truck allows you to get through tight spaces because it's got a tighter turning radius. You don't have a long nose out in front of you. That's, yeah, it's right swing. enough. I, I was under the impression the main reason was all to do with uh, length of the whole unit as such. That too, yeah. yeah. But um, James is absolutely loving this. We're 
first podcast uh, we're just talking about trucks hey <laughs> we'll talk about truck hey we could talk about trucks you know for the next two hours if you want i'm okay with that because i'm a big truck guy because you guys we, we can get into it later if you want but i mean as you guys both know james has i'm uh, not james hold on i see a zoom thing going on here uh my 52 chevy is a cab over that is a that is a 1952 chevy road tractor or lorry basically it's a cab over and we've put a big cummins 6bt yeah. turbo diesel in it with a manual gearbox and so that's kind of like my childhood dream truck for the most part so um yeah i'm in the process of building that truck with my dad and that is a an actual car hauler yeah. lorry which will haul more than my ford does for sure you, you actually told us about that i think two years ago in uh h2o basically it's like um i, I don't know mo too much about it but it's it's um it's quite a project you're putting together. You've been working on it for a few years already. Yeah, yeah. it's been sitting for five years now, unfortunately, just because, as you guys know, as you already mentioned with yeah. the Ocean City videos and stuff, I keep buying other projects and I've got car ADD. If there's such a thing, I've got it, you know, and <laughs> and I'll, I'll see a project that I could get done in like a month or a couple months and I'll just jump on that because the cab over... Yeah, my dad and I have like custom built a chassis, like a frame. We've custom built an entire front end, axle, drop steering assembly, steering column we built from scratch, pedal cluster we built from scratch. Everything's custom. So the whole truck is a broad overview. There's a ton more to do. A lot of time and, and money needs to be invested. So I get exhausted quickly and my car ADD takes over and I'll find a car that I've kind of always wanted and buy it and then get that car done and drive it and enjoy it. Meanwhile, the cab over just sits. So yeah. hopefully one of these years, because the whole plan was that truck's going to haul the Corvair on the back. So that yeah. truck and the Corvair are paired as like a group unit for the most part. I just love the way in America you can just drive anywhere. You know, we have such a, that's a big issue for us in Northern Ireland, especially um, because we have to take boats and then to get into your yeah. tunnels. So, but that, you know, if you can do it, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a it's a dream almost, isn't it? Just to be able to just drive. Yeah, yeah, I'll just go there. Yeah, we'll just drive, no problem. So I can believe. Yeah, I can believe that. Having having driven across Europe myself now, I I, I understand it. I mean, my my first reaction to driving from from Wales essentially uh, yeah. all the way to Wurzee in Austria, I was like, man, like this is basically like me just driving to Florida. And we're still in America, but we've just traveled through, we've traveled through like seven countries and three or four and a half different language barriers. It's yeah, crazy. And they're all so different. So many different cultures, so many different yeah. like cities you get the experience. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty, it is, we've done it a couple of times and it's, it is pretty, and we, we've obviously been to a few places in America, so we can definitely compare. And as you say, it is, we almost take it for granted here, you know, that we yeah. are going through so many different cultures um going to so many cities from you're if you went from wales you're passing london then you're passing paris then you're yep. even if you're going you know you can go down you're passing so many major major places uh, yeah yeah we went into cologne said. too so we we went we went uh through the euro tunnel and stayed like straight across yep. france all the way across belgium the netherlands germany in the cologne then down through munich obviously where you guys usually fly in for yep. or the z and uh, yeah, and to traverse the Alps, what what an incredible experience that was. And then later that year, uh, a year and a half later, I flew into Zurich for just holiday and drove through the Alps down into Italy. And it was just like, what an incredible 
it's relative though. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. If you guys were to fly here and drive cross country in America. Yeah. I mean, have you guys done that before? Have no, you guys actually I, driven? You know, definitely something I think. I, I funny enough, I really want to experience Texas and like middle yes. America and kind of, <laughs> yes. you know, like yes. I, I, somewhere I really want to experience because we always end up New York, um, Florida. East coast. Yeah. I've, I've been yeah. quite a lot. To, I've been to America like 10, 10 times, I think maybe more. Um, yeah, definitely more. I can't remember how many times and it's always the coasts. Um, yep. Atlanta is the furthest inland I think we've ever been and it's not really inland that, that no, much. No, it's not. So yeah, yeah it's uh, definitely um, Texas or something would be pretty cool uh, just to experience it. James once this whole wants to go for all the trucks. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see some trucks, even up here in New Hampshire, we've got a lot of off-road guys. And But yeah, Texas, I love... If, if we were going to talk about like different demographics of truck and truck styling in America, like <laughs> Texas, 1980s Texas is my favorite styling of trucks because you get your square body Chevys with the chrome, uh, the chrome like roll bar in the back with the lights on the top. Like that's like yeah. typical Texas Chevy square body with the chrome roll bar with the lights on the rack or, or the OBS Broncos, like the late 80s full size mm. Broncos. Uh, white, like the OJ Simpson type yeah, Bronco. Was, I was about to and, say, <laughs> yeah, and and I just love, I just love that because they weren't, they weren't designed or built for the woods. Because up here in the Northeast, a lot of guys are building short wheelbase off road rigs like Jeeps, and even like some of the Suki Samurais are big. I mean, yeah. you know, shorter wheelbase stuff because you got to navigate through a lot of woods. Whereas Texas is just wide, wide yeah. open. So long, long roads, long straight roads. Yeah. So this whole like Mexico, Texas like drug runner like truck off-road truck were like yeah. these lifted square body chevys and obs fords it's pretty cool so Sick. going back to your cars um what is you've obviously you're very well known for your for your um uh cover yeah the cover i was about to say chevy so many chevys the cover that we filmed in h2 um you're very well known for that can you tell us a bit about that and how you came up by picking that up? Yeah, yeah. So the long story short of it is, I had, I grew up with a local guy in my town. His was his name was Ted Trevor, and this will be actually a really good little bit of uh, quirky, like Chevrolet info for anyone from Europe that might be listening right, to this. Okay. That's a Chevy, that's a Chevy nerd. But so there's a guy named Ted Trevor. And he was originally from Moultonboro, New Hampshire, which is the next town over from me. And he was just an engineer, like a savant in that sense. Like he just, he, he, he was like an airplane engineer. He built motors. He was always interested in making things go faster. And in the 1960s, like late 60s, early 70s, he moved to California and was working uh, for like some airplane engine builder and was building aviation parts. And he he loved the Volkswagen Beetle and was really interested in getting uh, the Volkswagen Beetle like as as fast as possible up Pikes Peak. So he he became like a Pikes Peak like hill climb racer. Right. And what they were doing was the Beetles are obviously a rear engined four cylinder air cooled car, whereas the Chevrolet Corvair was a rear engined flat six cylinder air cooled car. So Ted designed all sorts of different swaps, uh, bell housing adapters, mounting kits, suspension upgrades for a Volkswagen Beetle to put a Corvair motor in it. So they were hyping up these Be Volkswagen Beetles with Corvair six-cylinder motors and annihilating Pikes Peak 
time runs and stuff. And so essentially after a few years of doing this, he had a boneyard of Corvair bodies with no motors in them, like just Corvairs everywhere. And he developed and designed a mid-engine V8 swap for a Corvair. And it became known as the, as the Corvate. And he started a company called Crown and you could buy like everything you needed to put a V8 in the back seat of a Corvair, which now allowed it to handle and perform with like almost a 50-50 weight distribution, like a mid-engine supercar, rather than handling like a tub of water with the motor in the back, like a 911 does, basically, like an old an old 911. So this guy, after he retired and sold Crown and sold the business, and he moved back to Moltenboro. But when he moved back to Moltenboro, he came home with an original Corvair-powered Corvair that he had owned for years. But he also came home with the number one, like 001 Vind, like Corvette, like the Crown V8, the first one that they ever put a V8 in the backseat of. So as a kid, I would see him rip past my house. There's a pub right down the street, as you guys would call it, right down the street from me. And he used to visit that restaurant like every day, basically. So every evening I would hear him go by my house in this V8 Corvair, just the most menacing sounding thing ever. And aside from the V8 sound, seeing that Corvair was like always ingrained in my memory as a kid. And so... I'd always wanted one as I became an adult and got into my own European, uh, enthusiasm as it is itself, I guess I really enjoyed anything air cooled. I just liked Beatles. I liked 356 Porsches. And then I really liked all the weird oddball air cooled stuff like the BMW 700, the Mm -hmm. Corvair, the fact that America Chevrolet in general made or specifically, I should say, made a rear-engine air-cooled car was like unprecedented. Like Chevrolet, nor any of the big three automotive manufacturers in the 60s here in America would ever think about competing with the Beetle by making a unibody car with an air-cooled motor in the back. So that mixed with my childhood memory of a pretty serious-sounding Corvair, I'd always wanted one. And so to glaze over the story of finding mine, I, I basically found it on Craigslist, and there was only one photo it was a very bad photo. It was like dark and in the rain and it was clear that it had been sitting for years and it was a manual gearbox Corvair though, which is kind of rare because all of those cars became race cars or drag cars or fully restored and became expensive and whatever. So more often than not, when you find a Corvair here in America, it's a two-speed power glide automatic. So this was a manual and I figured, well, if, if this car is junk, if anything, I've got a, it was a low mileage car. I'll have a low mileage manual gearbox uh for a future swap in a corvair so anyway i went and looked at the car it was way more solid than it looked and and i decided to buy it because it was i was able to get it running while i was there and there's not too much to those cars obviously and i'd always joked with my father i said if i ever buy a corvair like a like a rusty like old patinaed looking one we should cut the we should chop the roof on one because i bet i bet it would look really cool with a chopped roof because the late model corvairs just looked weird looked like the roof was too high so Mm. this car had all of that stuff involved it was it had sat for 41 years uh it had like a patina to it it wasn't like fully restorable because of the rust it did have and so that's basically how i found it i found it on craigslist on a whim the guy was crushing it like literally if i didn't buy the car like in the next few days he was going to crush it because he was clearing his yard out of all these junk cars and uh essentially saved it from the crusher we cut the roof off we chopped it and you guys kind of know the rest of it from there we we built the suspension that's, for it and i've been everywhere that's, an, with that's it. actually you know what that's that's really interesting that's an incredible story it's actually good to have um a drive like that to own a car 
And yeah. The fact that you have that memory, that's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Um, and it's and it's the first car that my dad and I ever chopped a roof on. And I didn't think because I'm not. Yeah, I don't as, I, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> we I did mean, that once, but didn't go back on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right enough. Yeah. I, well, the. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever, especially now, I, I don't consider myself a fabricator. I mean, I, I weld and, you know, I, I do almost all my own work on my cars. And, and if not, it's my father and I. Yeah. And and so I don't consider myself a fabricator. But cutting a roof off a car with the Maybe angles I, at the core. You're definitely a lot better that, than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But I mean, that, that just comes with what you spend time doing, obviously, yeah, you course, know, like, yeah. like you guys spend way more time with video production and even just me trying to upload my episodes on YouTube, which don't have any cinematic value, frustrates me to no end. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so if I spend as much time as you guys did filming and editing and all that stuff, like I would, uh, I would, yeah, I'm envious of that. Yeah, for but sure. your fab but, work is pretty, pretty on point, you know, that we've seen quite a lot of it as well. So um, definitely, uh, you can cut a riff off a car and make it as cool as the Corvair or the, or the 700 as well, man, you know. Man, like the, when we, and I've got, I don't post a lot because this, so the Corvair, the Corvair, I, I treated the Corvair build as a build that my father would have done in the seventies where there was no internet. And basically you only, you only involved like your small group of people, yeah. your, you know, your local friends and your shop night every Friday night or whatever. And I decided to keep it off Instagram. Like I posted some teasers. I posted like a, the set of keys when I first bought it. So people who knew obviously knew that it was like mid to late sixties GM with General Motors because they all used the same looking keys. Mm -hmm. But that's that's the only teaser that went out. And then from there, it was the only teasers I put on Instagram or social media was us cutting and welding stuff, just parts. Yeah. So you couldn't tell what part it was. It was just like cutting a part or welding something. And And with the the math of cutting a roof, if you're gonna keep the car looking symmetrical, like a Model A roof chop is fairly easy when you look at roof chops in general, whereas the pillars go straight up. So when you mm. when you chop the roof off and you bring it down, all you're basically doing is cutting a section out that you don't want anymore, set the roof back down, structuralize it, you know, like yeah. make it strong and then weld it up. Did whereas you have, to cut the, you have to actually cut the length of it then and make it yes. the top of it smaller, yeah? Yeah, you've got it. You've got it. So if you think of a pyramid, think of just a two-dimensional pyramid that you draw on a piece of paper. And I'm not a, I'm not a teacher in this, so this is going to be a very lame term. I feel like I'm getting term. taught here, to be honest. So I, <laughs> I, like it. I was actually about to ask you, funny enough, I was about to ask you, uh, can you tell us how you cut the riff? But I thought you you might have just replied, we just we just cut the riff off. <laughs> so it's, it's actually good to get a detailed answer, definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, and maybe, maybe it won't be detailed, but it'll be... Uh, It'll be uh, simple, I guess. So, and we actually did this. Like, so my dad's, my dad's got 40, 50 years experience of fabrication and stuff on top of me because he's, this is what he's done. You know, that, that's how I yeah. caught the bug, you know, and obviously I took it and ran with it in a different direction as far as the types of cars. You know, my dad's a late sixties General Motors muscle car kind of guy, but, but that, that talent in fabrication and stuff wore off onto me because that's who I've learned everything from. But we'd never chopped the roof on a car before. And if if you look at if if you if you were to draw a triangle, ultimately a two-dimensional pyramid on a piece of paper and you weren't going and you wanted to shorten the height of that pyramid without altering the angles yeah. of your sides because if you wanted to keep that pinpoint at the top you'd have to you'd have to change your angles of your sides as you brought 
as you brought the top down. Now, I'm obviously trying to describe this for people who are listening uh, on strictly audio as well. If you're going to bring that top down, lower the height of that pyramid without altering your angles, that point is going to become a plateau. And the farther you go, the longer the top is going to be until ultimately you get to the bottom. And now you've got the top is as long as the base is. Yeah. So ultimately, that's what we had to deal with, with chopping the roof on the Corvair, if we weren't going to make it look weird and alter the pillar angles. So with how mellow the angles are we only went down two inches height wise on the roof of that car so we only went down two inches it's as you guys know at the front of the door i've got the little smoker windows at the front of the car and i didn't want to chop down into that and have to mess with that and have to either customize that window or get rid of it altogether. and then your roll-up window would have to be customized to be longer and, and whatever but on top of all that all the little small logistic things i felt like a two inch chop is all that car really needed because we didn't want to chop a roof for the sake of chopping a roof and making it look stupid and pancaked yeah. and like super, super small. Model A's and stuff can pull that look off, but normal cars can't. So without being a car designer, we were trying to capture uh, like how could how could this car almost look better than stock by chopping yeah. the roof? So we figured a two-inch chop would probably do it. That brought me right to the top of my smoker window so I could leave that. But that being said, the roof got six inches longer by just coming down two inches because yeah. the, the C and A pillars, it doesn't have a B pillar, but so the C and A pillars are so- Yeah, so basically what we did, and, and I've got, man, this is going back to like not posting any teasers of this project, you know, while we were building it. There's a junkyard up the street for me, like a legitimate American junkyard in the woods. Like there's two types of American junkyards. You've got your, your vast wide open ones out in the desert in like Arizona and Oklahoma and Texas. Then you've got like the Northeast ones where they're, it's like it started as someone's backyard and now there's just stacks of cars littered throughout yeah, the woods. Stevie and that's, Shout out to Stevie that's like <laughs> making a murderer. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, and that's Wisconsin. And so there's woods there too, but his yard was definitely like wide open, you know, kind of like rows. <laughs> but the one up the street from me uh, is like, an adventure every time you go up there because you're walking through the woods and there's just like cars stacked everywhere. But they've got like 20 some odd Corvairs in there. So what we did was we cut the roof off of a Corvair that had a pretty similar looking patina rust right. pattern on the roof as mine does. So it wasn't like it had like a blue roof. You know, we found one that was all rusted. Cut that roof off and brought that back to the shop. So now we had our length and width sections that we needed to add were actual Corvair like arch and like the rain gutter was the same so basically when you look at my car now it, it doesn't look like it's been chopped because we didn't go that far and the extra sections we added are from another corvair roof so did unless you, you look real closely did you add it like whereabouts on the roof is is the cut is it like at the front back middle or well so we had to cut basically what we did is we quartered the roof so we cut all four corners obviously and cut the roof off completely yeah and and at that point i mean i don't know how many times we measured we, me we got all the glass out. We measured, we measured, we measured. This is after we get the suspension done. So the suspension was quite, without going down that rabbit hole, the suspension was quite a challenge to overcome to put this car on the floor. So after we got that all done and we successfully had the pan of the car laying on the ground, then it was like, all right, now we'll we'll discuss chopping the roof because I wanted a I wanted a body dropped bagged Corvair first of all. And so we pulled all the glass out. See, we measured. Just, sorry to interrupt, but uh, <laughs> see, I would have done it the other way around because I would be like, right, I'm going to cut the roof off here. 
I don't want to fuck it up. So <laughs> like, I won't bother doing the suspension until I've cut the roof off my car and made sure that it looks okay. But uh, well, see, the, my, <laughs> so my, my thought process on that was, <laughs> my thought process on that was if I bring it home and I cut the roof off, which I've never done before, nor my father, and we can't figure it out and we've bastardized it and now we have like, we have a Roadster. Now we've got like a convertible Corvair that just looks awful. Now we can't do anything with it. So in my in my opinion, we we covered the bridge. We crossed the bridge of the suspension fabrication, and this, and we were our own R and D department on that too. You know, we had to figure out, we had to redesign everything. We built control arms, tension rods, strut rods, upper and lower mounts, full front cross member, basically. So once that was all done, now we had a bagged Corvair. So so that that was my that was my initial thought process was we are capable of bagging this car and putting it on the ground. So let's just do that first. If we cut the roof off and realize, oh no, what have we done? Now it's a complete waste. So we got the we got the height figured out. We had everything taped off, ready to go. All the glass out, ready to make the first cut, like straight through a pillar. And I sat there with the sawzall, you know, just the straight blade sawzall, like on the pillar. And I look at my dad and I'm like, we don't have to do this. Like we don't have we don't have to do this. And we, and and my dad's like, kind of a man of few words, and he's pretty reserved. And he was just like. Yes, we do. Cut it. And I was like, all right. And after that first cut was made, it was the point of no return, you know? And so yeah. uh, it, it worked out. We learned as we went with that, you know, because we, we quartered it. So basically each corner of the roof was going to stay at its pillar and we were going to add from the middle out basically. Right, so okay. next time you see the car, because I know, I know you guys will be here again. Uh, when you guys actually see the car in person, it'll all make sense. Uh, yeah. But what, if, did you do, what did you do with the glass then? How did you cut the glass or did you put new glass in or what? so we so this was leading up to this 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 whole podcast could be a full podcast about this car and like leading up to the 30 hour give solo me the, give drive. me the short answer on the glass then this could be <clears throat> a short answer option b <laughs> yeah so i cut it so essentially oh as an go. outline here we go as an outline <laughs> I mean, I know you guys want the content of this. And no, like, I'm, 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 talking a, about I'm actually details. interested myself. That's why. That's, that's, what, that's <laughs> what we're here to do. I want to know, did he cut the glass? Did he cut it? Or is yeah. It so essentially, I bought the car in November of 2013. So we're going into winter. And here in the Northeast, we have a forced downtime for our, our car community because, you, you know, we get snow and salt and all that sort of stuff. So the plan was... I had gone to Solo, which was the show that was originally in Helen, Georgia, where Alpine Vag Fair is held now. And I had attended in 2012 and 2013. And my plan was was to take this Corvair to Solo in 2014, which is which is in early May, mid-May. So with all this stuff that we're talking about that we're doing to this car, the ultimate end goal, the timeline was to get it done. And I was going to drive it like it was normally going to take about 25 hours each way. It turned into 30 easily. But my plan was to drive this car that hadn't been on the road for 40 years, you know, essentially 25 hours to solo and 25 hours back. And so by the time we got to the roof chop and we got all the metal work done, the roof's on, you know, chopped, it's on. Now we have to fi finalize all the glass was, dude, it was like two weeks before I was going to be leaving for solo, maybe a week. It might have been two weeks, to be fair. So now we're like, well, rather than trying to find someone who can professionally cut this glass and do it right, and also find a brand new Corvair windshield first, and then find someone to cut it, and then get them to cut it and, and get everything in, 
the factory window had like a crack up in the top corner, the factory windscreen. So we thought, well, let's just cut it ourselves. Now we had never cut glass before and glass cutting 101 as far as, as far as automotive glass is never cut old glass, like always cut new glass because it hasn't been compromised by the elements. This molecular buildup hasn't been compromised or, or changed over the years. So this windshield that sat in this car since 1965 has had, you know, hot, cold the sun all all sorts of different elements that have like changed its behavior as glass and laminate basically so we got it set up on some sawhorses in the shop and we were literally watching youtube videos on my phone of like a guy cutting like a vintage chevy windshield now this guy was doing it like this guy was a pro he the video is like five minutes long and he cuts the whole piece off and it was like perfect but he did it like traditionally he used like a diamond glass scorer, which we had, you know, you score the glass first and then you want it to break on the score. So now you've got like a line basically that you can start off of. A windshield's got laminate in it. So that's what, that way, if something breaks your windshield, it doesn't shatter in your yeah. face. The laminate like helps keep it contained and you have to cut through those laminate layers as well. So basically, all in all, without going through all the painful details, we scored both sides of the windscreen and with a, with using heat and flame to like melt the laminate, you then use a razor blade to like cut the laminate, break the glass some more, cut the laminate, break the glass some more. And it's a very violent process when you're doing it by hand. And with an old windshield, we unfortunately had a few cracks take off on us. The first few cracks took off into the section that we were cutting off. So we were like, all right, this is good. Like as long as we can keep the cracks going up, yeah. we're good. But we had a few cracks take off down. But long story short, we got, the, we got it cut and in the car. So... We, we failed as far as like getting a good clean cut, but we, we were cutting glass for the very first time and we were cutting a 50 something year old windshield. So we did that ourselves. And then for the back window, we made it out of plexiglass since that didn't have to be uh, like a windshield. So long story there short was my dad literally built, we had a hard time getting a consistent heat to, to heat form plexiglass over my factory window to get the right bends and the right curvature and the right shape. And so my dad had the bright idea of building a wooden oven, basically. He built this wooden box and used like suspension ceiling tile as like heat insulators. And we lined this, the, this wooden box with this heat insulator. We had a giant port in the middle that we put this propane space heater in to provide our heat as the heat source. Then we had these two ports in the top corners that we built to put blow dryers in to help circulate the heat because we needed consistent heat everywhere. And then we used <laughs> we used uh, like infrared, like laser, um, you know, thermometers to make of sure course, we had a consistent yeah. heat all, all the way around. And ultimately, our second piece of plexiglass, which was the first one in this oven was the one that is in my car now. And basically we heat, we got at the heat form. We okay, found right. out, we, <laughs> we found out at what temperature uh, plexiglass becomes porous and separates and you get air bubbles in them. So you can't go, you couldn't go too hot, but you wanted it hot enough to where it would, it would mold over the factory window. And then we trimmed it to the shorter piece that yeah. was now going in the window. So yeah, we did it all ourselves and it was a learning process for sure. And on top of all that, it was a learning process that I traversed with my father. So that that car, yeah. although it's not like a show-winning concourse car, it has been featured in a few different magazines, which is mind-blowing to me. But that those print features, even including your guys' video and other videos that the car's been in, any sort of documentation means a lot to me because it's a it's a car that yeah. my dad and I really 
built together and we both traversed things that even my father hadn't done. So it was a, it was a treat to watch my dad. Like we all, we all, we all conquer problems different. You know what I mean? Like whether or not it's working on a car, whether or not it's something with electronics, say you guys are, are on spot in Dubai somewhere and the light isn't playing ball and you guys have to like make something to like, to manipulate your environment, to get your end product the way you need it to be. So and I can do that myself with my cars too, but there were so many hurdles with this project where like I was at a wall. I didn't even, I didn't know where the stairs were or the elevator to get over it. And my dad would be like, well, if we do this or that, we could make this work and that work. And it all made sense. It was like epiphanies almost left, right and center. So well, it was really cool to like learn that stuff with my dad. That's that's what it's all about, isn't it though? It's, it's more, you know, it's more always about the experience of getting somewhere or doing something rather than actually having it, you know? Yeah, like, and that's it for me. You know, um, and, you know, that story, you know, is exactly, I think a lot of people can appreciate and relate to that for sure. So that's yeah. your covert. Covert. Uh, what other cars we got here? This, this, uh, this just run through them real quick. So we, we've actually, we filmed the covert. We filmed your 700. And we filmed your, um, oh, you've sold that, uh, the, the BMW, you've sold the other one as well that was in the- The 7 iPhone. Series, yeah. yeah. So if we're going in chronological order, we filmed the Corvair in 2016. 2017, we filmed my UK market uh, E23 7 Series. Yeah. Um, I forgot that it, you actually sold it. And that's, you sold that dude. on the same trip <laughs> that you bought the- Yeah. That's yeah, another story, isn't it? This yeah, is another part. That, Here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we don't and need to get into that. This is also trip you started vlogging on, if, if I'm correct as well. I, I started the YouTube channel before that, but this this was the first, that yeah. was the first trip that I like started like hammering, like yeah. like getting an episode out every day type deal. Summarize but, that trip for me though, because that's, that's an interesting one. And it actually touches on what we spoke about there a minute ago about traveling across America because you did it. Yeah. Twice, yeah, so, basically almost. To finish up, in case anyone's hanging on waiting to hear the end of the uh, solo trip with the Corvair. Oh, yes, right enough. Sorry, yes. Absolutely. Well, no, it's no, it's fine. No, because I, I understand if somebody's like in their car listening to this, they're like, so what happened? Um, so we got the car done, done, quote unquote, done, and got the glass in, got the rear window in, got all everything finished up, and I ultimately drove it by myself. Like on the way down, I was I was alone, and. I was dating a girl in Nashville, Tennessee at the time, and that is not on the way from where I live in New Hampshire to Helen, Georgia. You have, you have to go basically out into the middle of the country and then head down. Not quite the middle, but you've got to go inland quite a okay. ways. So it turned into a 30-hour drive down and ultimately a 30-hour drive home. And I, I had a few breakdowns. I had to keep fixing the car, you know, like nothing too major at, at on the way down, but I made it. So as we talk about traveling across America, I've always been into getting in your car and just going i mean and we could talk about this later if you want but it all started that type of wanderlust started with me when i was riding bmx professionally and on the road full time with bmx yeah. so that i was used to just throwing my bike my backpack in my car and just driving to california or something you know so with the car stuff basically it was the same idea but i was driving like older cars that were more than likely going to break down on me yeah. so with the seven series the second car that you guys filmed in the 2017 strip video that was a that was a pretty rare car here in america because uh, it was a uk market car so it was a euro spec car it had the euro spec lights euro spec bumpers 
all the stuff that we covet here in America because that's the way BMW originally designed the car. Right. When it came to America, it was, yeah, it was a right hand drive, um, UK market car, Cypress Green, which we didn't get here in the States uh, in the 7 Series, manual car, which is rare in America, but it was a manual car fully optioned, which was rare everywhere because. Most all of the fully optioned cars were automatics, especially the 7 Series. So it was a, it was a rare configuration car that I sourced the BBS body kit for, uh, the AC Schnitzer Type 2 racing wheels. Those are all kind of little things I added to the car. But the guy who bought my Lada, which you guys also filmed the year after the 7 Jesus, Series. of course. We don't need to go down that rabbit <laughs> hole right another now. One. <laughs> but, but I sold the Lada before I sold the 7 Series, so that yeah. should be noted. A guy, guy in Los... Right? Yeah, a guy in Los Angeles bought my Lada, and I just I had that shipped to Los Angeles. So about a year later, when he decided he wanted to buy my Seven Series, which was this past fall, uh, I said, "If it's all the same to you, I kind of want to drive it to Los Angeles." You know, if, if you don't, in the guy, he's an odd dude, and he was just like, "I don't care," like whatever. So I was like, <laughs> "All right." So this we planned out this trip before I found the next car in Seattle. So the plan was was my buddy Kyron Burnt, who was Ken Block's personal photographer for a long time. He worked at Race Service. He still contributes and works for Speed Hunters. Uh, phenomenal photographer. He's become a good friend of mine over the years. And he decided he wanted to be a part of this trip uh, for an upcoming series of Speed Hunter features on my 7 Series. So he shot the car in the fall as the car as it sat. But then when we went on this trip cross-country to deliver it to its new owner, he basically documented this whole deal uh, to be as like a series of uh, features on Speed Hunters as like, you know, we're gonna travel across America in this imported 1981 BMW. So he flew out here and Corey, who you know, Corey Marshall, myself and Kyron, we're gonna drive this car 3,200 plus miles to LA to deliver it. But on the way, we were gonna do a series of Governor's Club pop-up meets in every city on yeah. our way out. And then ultimately just fly home. Kyron's from LA, so we were ultimately gonna drive him home and then we were gonna fly home. And to add to the story, I found the Toyota Century that had already been imported from Japan in Seattle. And that's a car I'd searched for for 10 years. I mean, honestly, I'd searched for a long wheelbase Toyota Century for probably 10 years. They only built 400 of them. So, and they were never exported outside of Japan unless Toyota themselves sent one to another country to drive their Toyota executives from the airport to wherever their destinations were. Really? So very rare car. We can talk about that later too, if you want, but, but I had the plan, we hadn't booked the flights home yet, but the, we had, we had the trip West already planned out. Then I found the century and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and this the car doesn't so have- So the flights were already booked to go home? They, they weren't booked. No. Cause that, that's what, uh, that's what you, made everything like perfect. Cause I'm like, well, we haven't booked the flights yet. So we might as well John just Lord book Wicker's a flight. Like, ah, I won't book the flights. <laughs> I might buy a car. So you know what? I won't book the flights. It'd be okay. <laughs> We it might was buy a car. We might we might fly home. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've always wanted this one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So basically, uh, and Mike Cashman's the reason why I even found that century. Uh, that should be noted. He went on the trip with us. He flew to Seattle in yeah. Medicine, Seattle, and did the trip with us. But he's. I woke up at like this was okay. So during the planning for this trip west to, to deliver the seven series, uh, I woke up one morning and woke up to a screenshot of like a Facebook marketplace ad that Mike had sent me for a long wheelbase century. Now, everybody that I, I know closely knows that I've been looking for a century. To be honest, I wanted the long wheelbase, but I'd deal with a short wheelbase because of how rare the long wheelbase ones are. So I woke up 
you know, and he, he, he was up before me. And so I uh, kind of like half awake looked at this screenshot and just assumed it was a short wheelbase. And I was like, well, whatever, but it was in Seattle. So it was already in America. As I woke up and got my morning coffee and kind of revisited that screenshot, I realized it was a long wheelbase in black in America for sale for a pretty reasonable price. And I'm already in the process of selling my seven series. So I got on the line with the guy and the guy had shared it from 90 some odd Facebook groups or something like that. Like Facebook had like banned him because they assumed it was spam. He had shared it on so many different (laughs) platforms on Facebook that they banned him for like a 24 hour period or something like that. So I I got in touch with them and I wasn't the first to get in touch with them, but as fate would have it, we worked the deal out. We drove the seven series to Los Angeles. We we took a week to drive out with a TGC pop-up meet every city on the way out so we did fredericksburg virginia nashville tennessee st louis missouri we stayed in kansas city but didn't do a pop-up meet there denver colorado then drove straight south down into albuquerque new mexico we had one in phoenix arizona and then we had one at the motoring club which is a really rad like storage gentleman's club facility like for automotive stuff in los angeles and uh from there delivered the seven series and flew from LAX up to Seattle, which if if you're not aware of, is also on the West Coast, and picked the Century up, did a Seattle TGC meet, and now headed a week east and drove the Century 3,200 plus miles across America the other way. And what should be noted with the Century is the motor and drivetrain that Toyota put in that car was designed specifically for that car which wasn't exported outside of Japan. So there's no parts available hardly anywhere for that car, let yeah. alone America. So it was we a risk put, almost driving home, you're saying then? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, very much so, very much so. And so I had some hand tools. I cross-referenced some belt part numbers, so I had extra belts with us. We put new tires on it, checked the fluids, and yeah, crossed our fingers and just went. I basically said, well, it's a Toyota, should behave like a Toyota and not break down. So, yeah. and it didn't. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, man, long story short, both the BMW and the Century performed like brand new vehicles. They barely consumed any oil. We got a flat in Tennessee on the 7 Series. And as, you know, as fate would have that, we stopped at a Walmart to just pick up food or supplies or whatever. And we came back out to the car and it was a slow leak. It was leaking in the parking lot. And, and around the corner from the Walmart was a tire shop and they they replaced the stem for me and we were back on the road. So the only failure we had mechanically was in a parking lot. So it wasn't like that tire went flat at 80 miles yeah. an hour in the middle of nowhere. So uh, it was really quite in, an incredible trip. And I'm glad that we documented it. If anyone listening is interested enough, if you go to my YouTube channel, which is just John Ludwig, oh. <laughs> we, we literally, yeah, there's a plug. We literally documented, I yeah. mean, I just about went insane because I was filming and editing from the road. If I wasn't driving, I was in the backseat editing from my laptop. Yeah. Trying I to think get- I called you on that road or you called me or something on that trip and we were, you were having a conversation about it. You were like, Adam, how do you edit? Uh, how do you edit? Oh my day? gosh. <laughs> I hate it, man. Yeah. Man, and, it is and hard. To be honest, we, don't, we don't do that for a reason. We don't do the dailies for a reason. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I felt like that was a good challenge because I'd started a YouTube channel before that, and basically because of the people, like people on Instagram saying, showing interest, basically people on Instagram messaging me for years saying, "Hey, you should start a YouTube channel. It's something I would watch. I'd be really interested in it. I'm sure other people would too." And I was like, no one wants to watch me like 
replace the fuel pump on the Corvair. Like not, but as you guys who are YouTube guys know that there are a lot of people out there that are interested in that, that type of stuff. Even if it's something mundane and run of the yeah. mill or whatever, there's people that are going to want to be interested in seeing what you're doing. So Absolutely. I started, I started a YouTube channel and I didn't like it because it just, it was a lot of work. It didn't have a lot of cinematic value to it. I felt like they were boring. It didn't take off right away. I didn't start it because I wanted to like be a YouTuber and like make money doing it. Obviously that's like, if you're going to do something, do it well. And that's obviously like an end goal, you know, to, to make money doing something that you love. But when we planned this trip out, I took it as a challenge. I'm like, all right, I hate filming. I hate editing. I hate that. Like, I feel like I'm putting this stuff on YouTube for like no views for like, no, but nobody's going to watch this stuff. But I took it as a challenge to be like, all right, I'm going to film, I'm going to edit, and I'm going to get a video up every single day or as close yeah. to every day as we could. And to this day, even still on Instagram, I'll get a message from someone saying, hey, like, especially now that we're all in quarantine, I get message from people that are sitting at home saying, hey, I just binge watched your entire trip coast to coast and coast to coast back. And what an awesome trip. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm glad, although I'm not seeing a monetary uh, return on that stuff. I'm glad that like people are like watching that stuff and being yeah. like, wow, you know, that's motive. Like I, I want to drive cross country someday, you know, and, and yeah. that, that's well, been really for cool. us, for us. Absolutely. Like we, um, we don't make any money on ad revenue on YouTube. We do it solely because it's good for the brand and we're doing these things anyway. We want to share it. It's fun, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of what our brand's always been about. Uh, so yeah, like, uh, we've talked about a good few of your cars. I'm wondering, um, you know, H2O is somewhere we've always been. Um, what's your What's your views on it recently? Will you be going back this year as well? So if the, you can, yeah, <laughs> if you're yeah, allowed I, to. I, I'm assuming now this is without going down the rabbit hole of what's going on and speculation and, yeah. and all that with like what's going on. I'm assuming hoping and this assuming. is said it's okay would you go back yes. this year You're yeah going oh back? absolutely so it's your, so it's in, your must it's your must attend almost event every year it and here's why there's there's two main factors there's one main factor and one small factor for this year specifically why i'm gonna go the main factor is yeah it's out of all the travel that I normally do, with the exception of this year, since we're all kind of stuck in place, the amount of like overseas travel I do every year and you know travel across America and all that sort of stuff, the the week, the short week in Ocean City is like my favorite of the year because it's the one trip that I've been doing every year for the last 10 years now where I know what to expect. I know what the schedule is. It's almost like the family vacation to Disney yeah. World every year, where it's well, like you, you say, can just you say you know what to expect, but sometimes you don't know what to expect. Yeah, school, yeah. Really yeah. I mean, as as far as but I know yeah, what you mean. As, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I know what I'm. I know what my plans are going to be yeah. basically, and I get down there Wednesday evening. It's like a twelve hour drive, and I just that's with all the tenacious like like goings ons of like my head with like being self-employed and trying to like, I'm constantly stressing out about like keeping jobs coming in and, and all the day-to-day -day stresses, even when I'm on the road, ocean city, it's like, we do a governor's club meet there as you guys know, yeah. but it's been getting bigger and bigger every year. And so I make merchandise for that meet. So it's turned into a trip that is like a job yeah. as well, but it allows me to relax. So in the morning I wake up, I cruise down the strip. I'm an early riser anyway, so I'll go for like yeah. a 7 a.m. cruise when there's not a lot of people out. It's usually nice weather. Get a coffee and just like wait to meet up with people. And it's it's yeah. that's the main factor is seeing my friends, cruising the strip with my friends. The, the second 
factor for this year is for the last 10 years now that I've wanted a Toyota Century, the whole idea, like when I thought of owning a Century, I immediately thought of cruising the strip in Ocean City with a Century. <laughs> so now that I have one, that's like, I, yeah, I just can't wait. That's, I feel it's, it's like the... I feel it's like the realization, you, the realization of finally owning one and absolutely. being on the strip with it. Yeah. I feel like almost you go to H2O as well with the same kind of aspirations as us. A lot of other people obviously go there and give it a bad name while we go there. Yeah. As you say, meet up with people. We go there to make a film, but we also, we concentrate our film each year um, around the people mainly that do go there just to chill out with friends. Um, and can we, we kind of stay away from the whole side of yep. things that are, you know, that give shine it in a bad light because that's not the reason why we were interested in going at all. We were always interested in going because it just looked like half of America basically just went to hang out who were into cars. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm glad, I'm glad that that's, that's the light that you guys have cast on it. And that's not, the, that's not a slight at like Chris's videos or any videos that like more or less document the insanity or the party life aspect of it. Cause it, I mean, as a filmmaker and yeah. as a reporter as well, sorts, absolutely. you almost, yeah. Uh, but we, I, I we enjoy like to show that as well. To be fair, we actually do. We like to show a snippet of that, but we don't right. focus on it, you know? Exactly. Chris, yeah. And that's Chris, what I like. Uh, Chris does it. You know, Chris nails it on, on um, he shows absolutely. it all. Like he shows yeah. it all. Like we don't yeah. need to show it because he shows it all almost. And that's, yeah. you may get Chris on this as well very soon. But, um, that'd be awesome yeah that, just that'd be, that's another bit, kid i've yeah that's another kid i've known for a long time we want to make it yeah, a bit but, different um than, yeah uh, than the but i like the, i like the i like the aesthetic you guys have gone with the strip because as you guys already know me well enough you know that like i love everything retro and 80s and i just love that that like an ocean city ocean city is almost like in a way stuck in that time it so is. it's it's it real is, easy yeah. for you guys to like make like Oh, like an 80s style movie Absolutely, based around it because yeah, it's, it's an ocean city you know so well here um, just touching on that for a second i think james was the first time you were in america florida or was it h2o was it florida florida yeah yeah but you went to florida right so we, we flew to orlando and then we went yep. to um uh, fort myers also yep. kind of old and you know stuck yep. it like and then you went yep. to james had ocean city james had a really bad impression i'm sure of america <laughs> because he, <literally laughs> went, he just went to these almost retirement homes for like yeah. the first uh first couple of trips but you, yeah fort myers specifically yeah <laughs> well yeah. fort myers is ocean city like the, is just like ocean city is i i it, the restaurants is what gets me there. It's just like, it's yep. just, you just, you just go and you're just like, this is just not good food. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, what I mean? it's just, it's just fast food everywhere. But. So my favorite, yeah. My favorite of ocean city is the seafood for sure. Cause I, I'm from the Northeast. And Absolutely, so the, the ocean's only, in, the ocean's only an hour drive for me. So you can get good seafood basically anywhere. I mean, Maine is an hour and a half from me and Maine's yeah. known for it's it's seafood as well so uh, that's what I eat most of when I'm in Ocean I, City yeah I, I don't I don't that. even bother trying to go somewhere to get a burger in Ocean yeah. City you're not you know what I mean like well it, this is it's all about that, the seafood this is the thing that everyone says isn't it is that the they do say exactly the same that we uh James and I don't really eat seafood that much um yeah. I don't eat it at all he eats a little bit so we we kind of miss that so every time we go it's just like yeah, we are going to go for the burgers or the pasta or the pizza. So we are eating the fast food. Everyone yeah. else, is, I suppose the good food there is the uh, is the fish, seafood, but, um, is yeah. the seafood. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, Ocean City. I suppose it's the um, it's the one each year that uh, 
the, it's the American show that we try to attend each year. For us, we may go yeah. this year. It just really depends on how this Dude. whole thing plays out. Yeah, um, if, if 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 everything opens up, you guys have to because man, as as you and I and even James and I have talked like privately about dude the amount of the amount of amazing content we could make with the century and like a whole like night <laughs> on the town with a car like that, having yeah, yeah. somebody like drive me and like a young lady around or something, you know what I mean? Like a like a date night thing with that car would just be so. You got one lined up, John. You got one ready to go. A girl, a girl, <laughs> <Is> or <laughs> no, no, I do not. Um, you know, though here on that side of things we were i'll be honest with you we were playing with the idea of not going this year but how yeah. things are panning out well we right. haven't got our film out right so um our film isn't out yet it's right it's I, i'm actually working on it right now uh, i was gonna well, not, roast you about right that now, too but it's it's yeah, almost yeah. it's uh it's it's under construction <laughs> definitely um and you know it's funny it's it's cool it's completely different than the last ones in the way the intro is almost like it's a a proper short film, and we we always go down that route, right? We always wanted to make it look like oh. a movie. My microphone yeah. has literally just left me there. Uh, we always want to make it look <laughs> like a movie and set a bit of a theme, especially eighties theme about it. So right, um, but if things keep going the way they're going, you know, we'll definitely go back if it's the only one we can get to, really. So well, and I know uh, I know we talked about I know you you had even reached out to me earlier, you know, over the winter about some of these like interview things you guys wanted to do yeah. and to, to actually come here to New Hampshire, which would be really sweet. Absolutely. Uh, obviously with what's going on right now is putting everything on hold, but, uh, yeah, I mean, even, uh, Ben Walker again, who comes over for H2O, he yeah. stays with me every year. And a few guys from Germany, Marcel and a couple other guys from Germany were planning on staying with me this year too. So really? yeah, yeah, who knows, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And as we were already talking about with Russia, you know, like I was planning on attending grounded with you guys in yeah. Sochi, and I know you guys already had your flights booked. Literally, when you guys booked your flights and you sent me the confirmation, I found the flights to like be on the same flight from London to Moscow really, with yeah. you guys and was going to book it. I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee for Riverside and was going to book it. And that night is when uh, our president put in like that 30-day travel ban thing out of like the first proactive precaution to like yeah. stop international travel to America. I was like, uh, and obviously this was early March. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is July when, you know, so I almost booked the next morning, but I had this weird feeling and I was like, man, if this becomes like something real serious, I'm not going to want a thousand dollars in flights like tied, tied up. up. Yeah. So, I, and now we're here and I'm glad I didn't. Well, that's it. Who, like that's what happens. I think, you know, for us just real quick on that, on, I didn't really want to make this whole thing about coronavirus. I feel like the last time we spoke in a podcast, <laughs> it was like, we talked a lot about it, but, um, yeah. You know, everyone's talking about it, but real quick, I think for ILB, Players Classic is still like 50-50. Yep. They don't know if they're, they're just going by Goodwood's word. I would say more than likely it's not going to happen. Um, so then the Crazy. next one after that is going to be racism or alt-race. Again, yep. I would say, say the same thing. It's really, you know, yeah. who knows? And then it's grounded. So those are the three ones for us. We're we're all set to go if if the if the uh, countries and the governments and all that stuff align. So, man, it's it's such a bummer too because as we were talking before we went live with this, like I've wanted to travel to Russia forever. Yeah. Like that's like one of my bucket list places to travel to, more or less to see to see the the country and its culture and all that stuff. But but to also include being with you guys, being immersed in like the automotive culture yeah. part of russia as well but this year going into 2020 you know i as i do every year i, I come into the year 
looking to travel to new places and do more of that. And so, yeah, I had Worthy planned again this year. We were going to do another TGC pop-up meet like we did in 2018. Uh, I was planning on doing Players Classic and then staying in Europe because the next weekend was racism or alt-race. You were going to do them all, yeah? I was going to do Players Classic and racism, and I had talked with you know a bunch of people. We were going to drive from England, you know, basically. I was going to meet up with the Keen boys in Belgium, go on yeah. with them, and then and then again in July do Russia with you guys. And midsummer, there's a bunch of stuff going on here, and then ultimately, ultimately, hopefully, try to come back uh, for the players in the in the fall. And the century was actually supposed to be at SEMA this year, which was like a massive thing for me. Like I, I've never actually dreamt of having a car at SEMA, but when the opportunity arose, it was like, wow, this is actually going to be like quite a year to to try to travel to all these new places and new shows. And also, ultimately, hopefully, have a car at SEMA. And now, SEMA's not even looking good either, you know? So, so, who, was, so who, knows? who was that with? John, was that with Akiar, was it? Or <laughs> yeah. 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 Touching, touching on we that, don't that's need- it. Well, you know, that's a sad point, man. You know, it's worth mentioning. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it just and- shows you the actual human and real impact of this virus. Aside from the people, obviously, that are directly being impacted because they get it. Right. Um, right. And I don't have all the info. Everything. You, you know, know, like... Yeah, uh, the the statement put out, you know, is all most people have to go on. And all I can say is I I wish Dustin and Reno the best. I hope everybody's I hope yeah. everybody stays healthy. There's been a lot of speculation as to some writing on the walls and you know what was going on. But I just I I they they're awesome dudes, and I just hope I just hope the best for everybody. But yeah, it's it's an ultimate bummer. I don't even think Century uh, Sema's gonna really happen in any sort of traditional facet anyway well, this year, but they're going to have to make a call at some point, aren't they? And realistically, yeah. event like that size, I'm sure it puts a lot, costs a lot of money to put on. So are they yep. going to actually put it on if, uh, if it's even not even worthwhile, you know? Yeah. Even, even if people, even if everything looks okay and people are still scared to be, I mean, cause I've been to SEMA and like you are literally shoulder to shoulder in yeah. any of those buildings with hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world. So I, you know, even if SEMA does happen yeah. in like, uh, uh, a tangible space. I, I highly doubt there's going to be. Well, that's the, the same as most car shows, right? That's most the same as same as pretty much all events. Yeah. You're crammed together in a space for a day or two days, or same same as case a lot longer. So I think um, we need to really, we really need to. People really need to find that line of being cautious, yeah. being healthy, but also not stepping over that threshold into hysteria. You know, because it's yeah. just. And, and I mean, even as far as officials too, you know, because a, a lot of this, you know, nobody knows what we're, and like you said, we don't need to talk about coronavirus and stuff, but I just hope that- I think that we've gone we, down the aisle again, coronavirus taking over the podcast always. Yeah. I just hope we, I hope we figure, I hope people figure out what's going on yeah. and what the best moves are. So, so the longer we're all locked down, the harder our economy is going to be hit and me being self-employed and you and Adam, you and I've already talked about this, yeah. like- the, yeah, the the long term results for people's businesses and stuff uh, are going to be hurt yeah, pretty not pretty good, badly. Not good so at all. yeah, but so to talk about more positive the, the, things. Yeah, this, this change the, this change the subject, James. I'm James. Uh, Do you remember that time that we here? all seen a rocket? <laughs> what was that? Absolutely. Do you remember that time that we all seen a rocket? <laughs> What was that? The Falcon Heavy, John. Do you remember? Oh yes, yes. I didn't no, catch the, the Falcon Heavy part. Right, yeah. This is a, this is a story. This is a story that we will 
I think all three of us and everyone that was there will remember basically forever. Um, I am a massive space geek. I am right hand up to God, a massive, massive nerd for space. <laughs> like I really am. And SpaceX, SpaceX especially. And, you know, for the people who don't know, basically what happened is um, James, I, James and I went to Florida for Eurotripper and we... I spotted that there was a SpaceX launch happening and it wasn't just a SpaceX launch. It was, of course, the first ever Falcon Heavy launch, which is, not to get into details, but it's the um, the heavy lift rocket made by the private space company, SpaceX, who normally have the space, uh, the Falcon 9. And, and Elon's it, car was going up on this yeah, one. So they were doing the test yeah. launch. They weren't launching anything into space for any customers. They were basically just going to go, let's go see if this works. And Elon Musk was like, right, well, I'll put a roadster in it. And because uh, normally, normally car, they're shooting electric car yeah, nor- into space. Yeah, normally uh, they're shooting concrete. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll just put like yes, concrete blocks yeah. in for just like wait. And he's like, well, rather than concrete blocks, let's just put a car in there. <laughs> So we all got together and it was at Eurotripper and I remember after the show you guys were like oh what's your plans now and we had no hotels booked or anything after the event we were just like well we'll see what happens we're flying back out of Miami Um, let's uh, let's see what happens you know after the event but I had said to James look we're going to go and see this space launch on I think maybe the Monday or something like that it was okay um, so I remember this very yeah. very well so I can help you guys were like details. there's a space launch <laughs> so yeah so we're we're at we're at Eurotripper we're at yeah. JetBlue Stadium Cy Gray is there and he's shooting um oh, I can't remember his name yeah it was it was, it was the Gulfs He's shooting, yeah. He's shooting uh, a Mark oh, II we Golf. We were shooting the Golf, sorry, but yeah, he was. Yes, you else. were too, and, and he was too. And yeah, you guys had asked, like, "Hey, what's your plan after this?" And this was Sunday, probably. And and I was staying as well as Cy. We were staying through that following week in Florida because it's February, and it was, it was it's a Saturday, right? Though because the Super Bowl is on the Sunday. That's right. So, yeah, it was Saturday, yeah. and yeah. and you. Yeah, you guys were like, what's your plan? I was like, I don't know. We're going to see the Super Bowl at Nikolai's house, which you guys did with us. Yeah. And and we're like, I don't know, what's your guys' plan? And literally all you said was, well, there's a SpaceX launch on Tuesday, and we're planning on trying to get down to the beach somewhere and like see it and film it and whatever. And when you guys say that, oh, I, I, I hate what was that guy's name it was he's gonna kill me we're friends on facebook uh <laughs> it's like rush rush was his name or something like that it's like rush yeah rush rush on yeah so rush was like rush was like my cousin works at nasa so this is like, on. that was the guy that was Cy. <laughs> by the way was uh photographing his car um, yes so Cy was taking photos of his car so that guy just like heard the conversation happening and was like hey I he's like, hey, my cousin NASA. works at NASA. <laughs> yeah, and and he's like, he's like, you guys want to see the launch? And we're like, uh, what? <laughs> and he's like, I, he's like, yeah, like I, he goes, I'm going in with him, and I'm pretty sure he's got extra seats. So I don't want to, yeah. I didn't want to hijack your story. But basically, I was there when this all happened. When you're like, yeah, what are you guys yeah, doing? Yeah. Like, I don't know. And so then like, we might try to get down to the we, beach. <laughs> we basically then got back in because we weren't James and I weren't with you when that conversation happened. But then later on, you just came to us and we're like, yeah, we'll go to that launch. By the way, uh, we yeah. now have a guy that can get us. By the way, we can get into NASA. Like we can actually uh, get into yeah. NASA. It was and, in, it was uh, the main assembly building, the staff car park right beside it. And, you know, dude, the VAF, like was, we were, yeah, we were at yeah. the VAF building, like the NASA. Now I, I also, I mean, you may be 
a larger rocket nerd than me, but I am a massive space nerd. Like I, I am too. And yeah. it surprised me that I didn't I didn't know that the SpaceX launch was going on. See, so and so you just not not enough. Didn't like it enough. <laughs> man, I didn't I didn't but uh, man, so I don't we, know how, we, how before we actually got to the rocket though, we went and actually went to the Super Bowl. Uh no, no, sorry. We went and watched the Super Bowl at Nikolai's house in Orlando. So we changed all our plans, went there, and uh we'll come back to the Super Bowl and John Ludwig in a second because James, I'm sure <laughs> James <laughs> always talks you guys about this to me. Is all about. James yeah. always tells me about this. But uh and then the Tuesday came along and uh I remember we all went to a car park and we were hanging out in a car park really early in the morning or something. I can't remember. And we were just like, are these guys going to show up? And we, none of us could decide if like these guys are actually going to show up or not. And yep. uh, they just came along in an Audi like Q7 or something. Q7. I think it was. Yeah, Q7. And uh, they were like, yeah, so the pass, this pass gets us in. And basically the rules, it, the rules are if you have a seatbelt, you can come in. Yeah, NASA's, we, NASA's security protocol was especially for a space launch was you had to be in a vehicle in a passenger seat with a seat belt on yeah but we had one too many passengers right i, w I was and i technically was in that seat that was oh one you were there <laughs> you were yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i was in the middle i was in the middle so the q7 has that third row of seating that's yeah. technically only for two two people and and I, we all justified that either James or I were the smallest to fit in that middle seat in the in the very far back. <laughs> and James may have actually been in the back with me, but I was the one in the middle. And I think, and uh, when we we when we were at that parking lot getting set up, getting in the Q7, I remember like saying like. Well, I could just like hide in the back or whatever. And they were like, no, <laughs> no, that you we can't if we get caught smuggling someone because this is like military. Yeah. Like, and as you guys know, the security guard shack, I mean, they're like M16 carrying security guards. Yeah, yeah. And they, and well, sure, yeah, so we're stressing. The normal everywhere in Florida anyway, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but I had never been to NASA either. And I had never even done a tour of NASA as a child. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this was like, as I'm sure you, this was like a childhood dream being realized Absolutely. through this whole thing. I'm funny, I've actually been to Cape Canaveral before, funny enough. I remember um, you telling me I that. When I was yeah. a kid. But uh, yeah, like for me, I was... I, like I was uh, I was ready. I was born ready for that day. And, and we went and we... Uh, do you remember the other guy that was with us? And I can't remember his name as well, but he was absolutely hilarious. And he was sitting in oh, the, the middle seat. It was like the friend of of the guy that worked at NASA. Yeah, pretty yeah. hilarious. Like as we're driving in before we even got to the security checkpoint, the things he was saying about us like getting arrested and like how not good it was going to be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we went and watched and it was honestly, for anybody who hasn't seen a space launch, you're interested in it. It was probably one of the, I, rem I remember every second of it. I remember me too. it was just, incredible you remember you know? me freaking out too yeah. john's <laughs> reaction was the best bit like <laughs> i turned around to john and i just said john where's the where's rocket? the rocket and then you go you look at me and take a second and you went it's in space <laughs> it's an hour dude you want you want me to play the audio right now yeah, of that yeah, video play it, play it. oh my goodness it's so basically it's up so there, basically and it's in yeah we space. were <laughs> so they kept with with like high winds farther up in farther up in the atmosphere or whatever like they it was we weren't sure they were even going to launch it because yeah, they, they kept, kept delaying it. getting close to yeah and they had they kept delaying it all day and if they had to launch by three because the window of actually getting through all the space garbage up into space or whatever was going to be closed so 
they had to launch by three. And it was literally like 255 when they started the countdown. And I'm freaking out. We've all we all videotaped all this stuff, luckily yeah. from our phones, because I know you guys lost a lot of your um oh, all of your footage that. from that trip. But um <laughs> but I've got the clip right here. And when that thing, man, when I got down to like count five, I'll I'll save that one. I'll I'll play after the uh the rocket actually took off. But while that rocket is taken off, man. I've never done drugs, but I can imagine what like a euphoric <laughs> high of doing drugs was like because standing there at, we were ahead of the press, man. We were at the control room center, yeah. family and members like viewing bleachers. Like the media were in like the, the hut, like a half mile behind us basically. And so we had the yeah. closest view of what 39A, the pad 39A yeah. that it took off from. And that was the same bleachers that the employee NASA's watched Challenger explode from in 86. You know what I mean? Like it was like yeah. to just be there was incredible. So as this thing was taken off, I, I don't even know where my brain went. I was just like, <laughs> I was just freaking out. So this, this, this oh, what were you going to say? No, no. So I was going to say, and of course this was the same launch that obviously they returned the two side yes. boosters as well. So it was absolutely insane. Uh, absolutely but, mad. But yeah, Platt, let's hear it. So, so this, this clip, to bring you up to speed, I've already freaked out, and the uh, Falcon Heavy has had a successful launch. When that thing went to full throttle at whatever height, it's like starts like rippling in your chest. You know, it was just like yeah. this incredible visceral experience. And so now the the rocket's gone, and everyone's just kind of like hanging out. And this is after the the other rockets have the actual rockets themselves have returned down, and we're just kind of like hanging out on the bleachers at this point, and people are kind of dispersing, and. At, this is an actual video I got from your phone. And you turn to me and you're like, hey, John, where's the rocket? Because I was freaking out. And I was like, <laughs> it's in outer space. Like, and so <laughs> it, the video is like what's hilarious. So I'll, have to, I'll post yeah. this on my Instagram. So we'll, we'll plug Instagram stuff at the end of this. But I'll, I'll post this on my Instagram again. So anyone who is hearing this can actually watch, yeah. <laughs> watch us like freak out. Well, let me make sure here. All right. I'll try not to get it too close to the mic. John, where's the rocket? It's in outer space. <laughs> it's up there. <laughs> it used to be over there. Uh, it used to be there. Two bits okay. are over there now. And then the other bit's like fucking way up there. <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs> Sayonara. Oh my yeah. gosh. That was, dude, that was so. literally a, uh, an experience of a lifetime. And it was cool that I was able to experience it with you guys. You know, that was, that yeah, was amazing. It was incredible. It was. I think it was all, it was almost like all the stars aligned as well because, you know, as you said, it kept getting delayed, and like looking back yeah. on it, um, I watch quite a few of them sometimes when they're on YouTube, and they get delayed quite often to like numerous different days. So we were very yeah. lucky, you know, that 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 we actually seen that one. So incredible, and they only, yep. they've only ever done one, um, one, uh, fucking heavy launch since, and right, it, the fucking heavy that we seen was the first, um was the biggest launch since the saturn 5 like that's, saturn that's, 5 that's right yeah, that was the like how big it was so it was absolutely incredible like that's that's something yep. somebody would only ever see once in a lifetime you know so uh, absolutely um, well and especially for you guys coming from ireland yeah. you know what i mean like you, you you came from ireland and now you're at nasa for this launch yeah. you know it's like how, how many other opportunities would you have if you didn't if you didn't pre 
book all that, of that stuff you that know trip was it was full of surprises you know we also had another once in a lifetime experience the day, next day when we drove down to miami and our car was broken into and all our camera <laughs> all our laptops and stuff was stolen so yeah you guys were in winwood weren't you yeah we never yeah, actually yeah. discussed that you know we james and i uh always talked about the fact that you know we never discussed that because it's something um we should have made a video about or done something but yeah like basically, yeah it, what a bummer though man yeah. like and we because because I helped the day of the Super Bowl maybe like I I was I was with you guys all day shooting Nikolai's Caprice yeah. and what so we lost her. yeah so we lost all our footage from the trip so you know not only did we lose the show video the reason that um, Paul Barney had actually flown us over to film his car show we lost his show video we lost the vlogs yeah. from his video from his show we then lost the Super Bowl Super Bowl um, vlog we lost Nikolai's yeah. uh, video the vlog Feature. from that and then we lost a vlog from the spacex launch because we filmed the whole thing man you know yeah probably the best vlog ever like we literally dude i saw man like that Crazy. that that set up james had the camera set up yeah on on the pad and uh, watching that back was just unbelievable lost, i mean yeah, yeah what a crazy. bummer it's, yeah but you know what the best thing about it is is that we all do remember it so well i think that is the most important thing because actually you know it is one of those memories that you you it won't go anywhere but um yeah crazy crazy experience for sure so uh giddy up let's go <laughs> <laughs> yes um I'll, i so i will post i will i will post all those videos on yeah. my story when we're done this because i i haven't watched those in a while and when that thing's taken off i am literally a little kid in a candy shop the noise the feeling as you said we were standing on you like could, um bleachers and uh yep. they were just shaking the whole ground was shaking your body was shaking inside you was shaking uh yep. crazy crazy feeling crazy and that pad is three miles away now obviously yeah. florida that part of florida is flat as yeah. can be so you can see it with the naked eye like pretty easily but yeah. to be three miles away when that thing's taken off i mean that is that is yeah. just incredible Lord, i remember what yeah. the nasa guy saying if uh he was like if this falls over you're gonna have to run <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he said you know and so we were so for those who don't know we were we were sitting on those bleachers with young and veteran nasa engineers you know who had seen yeah. numerous launches successful and unsuccessful launches and the gentleman, I think his name was John, that we were talking to, worked on the on the Challenger launch as mm. well, uh, the one that that exploded, and and he was saying he's he's like no word of a lie, this is a 50-50, like successful or explosion type scenario, and we're mm. like we kind of laughed, and he's like no, like really, it's either going to go to space or it's going to explode, because Elon even gave those statistics, yeah, like it's going to be a show one way or another, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. Could have like, been real crazy. The, the first launch ever where they have two uh, Falcon Nine strapped to the to a middle Falcon Nine. You know, it's the first time they'd ever even made it, and it, it was a successful one. So crazy, crazy times. Wild. Sure. I mean, they missed Mars, but I mean, that's fine. Who cares? I, <laughs> I mean, right they enough, care. They obviously, the, uh, but the orbit. They missed the orbit or something, didn't they? they yeah, the trajectory was wrong to Mars. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna finish off with um, a few Q and A questions we did on Instagram for John. Um, but first, I actually want to mention, because we forgot to do this at the start, is, as always, we have beers. Um, and, John, you don't drink, so why don't you go first? You're, you've got a root beer, right? Yeah, so for those who don't know, other than the fact that I don't drink, nor have I ever, actually, I am a huge root beer nerd. 
And I know most people outside of America are fascinated with root beer, if you know like what that is. But it's basically a soda with a root extract. So we have what we call birch beer or different types of root beer. And it's really quite an incredible like community behind it. It's almost like IPAs and yeah. you know, it's like it, there's a lot of microbrewers and stuff. So so since I don't drink alcohol, I've got root beer as like my beverage thing. And so I've got a root beer bottle collection out in my living room with over a hundred bottles with only three vintage, like old antique bottles. Every other bottle is like a different root beer from around the world that I've actually tried. So my podcast has had that MO as well. Uh, although the oh, last yeah. few, I'm only on like, epi- I'm only on episode eight right now. And I usually record them in the morning or on the road. So I haven't been able to really dial in the different root beer brews that I'm drinking on each podcast. Right, okay. So it's funny that you guys are kind of doing the same thing, but yeah, I'm currently drinking. I got to look at the, uh, the other camera that you guys are going to be using. I'm currently drinking Captain Eli's and that is brewed in Maine, which is obviously next door to New Hampshire here in the, nor- in the Northeast. And yeah, it's, I can't really, I'd, I'd be sounding like ridiculous if I tried to like analyze it as opposed to other root beers, <laughs> but it's a dark full body, uh, very flavorful, like stouty root beer. Yeah. It's, it's good. If you like dark, bold, brave root beers, Captain Eli's is one to try. There you go. Um, I've <laughs> so actually, what are you boys I, drinking? I'm trying, well, I'm trying to remember if I've had, ever had a root beer. I've had zero percent, uh, beer but i've never had a root beer i don't think so so england has england has like awful root beer every everywhere i've like stayed not everywhere but a lot of my friends who have stayed with in england have like gone and if they've got a root beer anywhere in their local market they'll get it and yeah and be like hey you know try this you're the connoisseur why don't you try it and i have yet to find like a root beer that's actually like brewed. I think there's only a couple that you guys have okay. that's actually brewed in England well, next or in time the UK. We're in America, we'll definitely try one out. Then you're gonna have to recommend to get one. I'll get a few solid ones for you I'm, guys. Uh, so I'm drinking. I'm drinking a Heverly. I'm drinking a straight from the can as well. I didn't even bother getting a glass. And uh, this is uh, it's brewed in Belgium, but you know it's a very it's a popular local beer. Funny enough, I've never seen it anywhere except for Belfast for some reason, and I don't know why. Huh. Um, so uh, it's it's a strong enough beer. It's 4.8%. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty nice. It's uh, it's a, it's very nice on draft, funny enough, but um, this is it's rare to get it in a can. You don't really get it in a can too much. So, but uh, Mostly in a bottle? Mostly. No, mostly always on draft. Pretty much everywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I actually ordered that online, funny enough, and they delivered to my house because we're in lockdown. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That was the first time I've ever seen it in a con. Yep. I went down to our local well and just got some Guinness because you know that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being very adventurous. I'm pretty sure it's sacrilege to drink Guinness out of a can, but you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah, James. Strange, uh, strange. Strange times. Someone actually said a YouTube comment, I think, in the last one. was like, oh, James is drinking something other than Guinness. It's Corona. Guinness is <laughs> So that's the beers anyway. Well, and it's, and it's, it's, uh, it's what? It's quarter after 7 p.m. your time right now? Yeah. 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 yeah so it's, it's quarter after 2 in the afternoon yeah, here. So I haven't even had lunch yet. It's beer drinking. Anytime after 8 a.m. is fine to have Guinness. <laughs> that, well, that's why I was bringing that up. Like, I don't drink, but I'm assuming after 5 p.m. you could drink whatever you want. <laughs> well, we're in lockdown at yep. the minute. We're working from home. It's a good Friday. 
and anytime that is anytime yeah, that's right. drinking, <laughs> drinking time in Ireland at this point. <laughs> any, any drinking's time, drinking's time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get to the Q and A. We got some good questions for you. Um, awesome. Let's see what we got. Um. Well, here actually, this is an interesting one from us because uh, I don't really know um, the answer to this at all. So, what's better, H2O or Riverside? And that's obviously to you, John. Well, on the record, I'm going to have to say Riverside because Mason and Carly are really good friends of mine. And <laughs> well, okay, here's rather than making a joke about it, here's the difference, I guess. And I'll, I'll make it quick. The difference is, is as most people know, H2O, the actual show, like left Ocean City a few years ago. So what is left currently is just a city that people come to to cruise the strip and yeah. it's much like cruising week you know the hot rod guys most the majority of people that come to ocean city just come to congregate fellowship with their friends cruise the strip you know get seafood whatever so so in my opinion like like ocean city is like a, a long weekend i go for wednesday through sunday night and it's a totally different thing so it's, it'd be hard for me to actually like uh relate it to uh, yeah. an actual show like Riverside. But what I do like about Riverside is Mason Mason holds the official after me after Simply Clean as well, which is obviously Nikolai's show. And what those two compare in car shows is there's no awards. It's just like a giant sanctioned car meet with food trucks, vendors. And, yeah. and I absolutely love uh, industrial America and where Mason holds Riverside is in this old steel pavilion down on the river on the Tennessee river in downtown Chattanooga, which is an industrial city in the mountains of the Smokies basically. So it's a really, really cool vibe. It's right. a cool atmosphere. Uh, again, there's no like race for any trophies. So it's, tell, I'd tell say both of those. What was that? And I was going to say Riverside, simply clean. No, no awards at that either. Nope. Simply clean or Riverside. Never, no awards. A lot to be said for that. Yep. Actually, I, I, I like to me awards, it shows, not interesting at all. So that's interesting. That, you know, right. And as you about. know, as well as I do, yeah, you know, as well as I do, that there's a lot of people that, yeah. you know, are trophy hunters and there's, there's a, there's a place for it, I guess. There's, there's yeah. a place for so that in the old timer well, hot rod scene. You know, definitely people, you know, some deserve, I suppose, sometimes recognition for the things they do, especially at the bigger ones, uh, the bigger right. events. So for sure. So you're saying different things, H2O and Riverside, but, um, but both, but both, both are both both are my both are my favorites. So it's it's a great cool. that's that's just a great pair. Yeah. All right, we got another one here, which is uh, would John ever ship any of his vehicles to UK uh, slash Europe to do a couple of events or a tour? Yep. You you guys, I think you guys already know. You may have even been in the know. But my plan the last like four years now has been to ship the Corvair to England and keep it there for a summer of shows. And we got real close to the point where I was almost booking the shipping yeah. in 2018, the year we came over for Worthy. The original plan was, was to ship that to England in April and drive it across Europe to Worthy and then leave it in Germany for summer shows. So to be able to get back to Players Classic in June and get to racism in Poland uh, to do excess car night in Berlin. So this has been something that I've actually wanted to do Absolutely. for, yeah, I've wanted to do that for a long time. I've had the Corvair long enough now to where if, and 
to be honest, the only reason why I haven't done it yet was I really want to rebuild the motor in that car. There's nothing really wrong with it, but it's, I didn't rebuild it when we first put it on the road. So all the internals in that motor are still like 1965. So since there's no Corvair parts available in Europe, um, since they didn't ship, the, they didn't export the Corvair to Europe. Uh, if I were to break down in the middle of France or Belgium somewhere, there's just no, you know, there's no support for that car. So I wanted to like go above and beyond and really make that car tip top to be over there for a summer. But to be honest, that's something I really, you know, depending on what the backside of what we're dealing with right now looks like, that's something I'm still planning on doing. And the Corvair specifically, because it's an American made car that wasn't available in Europe. Cause I get a lot of people that say you should, ship, the, you should ship the 700. Sure. What was that? Oh, what was that? Frozen. Um, did, did Adam freeze? Wake up. Yeah. James is like, is it frozen? <laughs> oh man um i've had people ask about shipping the 700 over or the century or even my seven series before that but in my opinion those are well the century's japanese but all my other cars came from europe so i always wanted to ship the corvair over because it's 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 an american built car that wasn't available over there so it'd be a little bit more of like a shock value car to see in europe you know and i've had it long enough to where i wouldn't miss it for the summer you know i could just like Put it, yeah. and I've got plenty of friends. Even the Keen boys have opened their doors. They're like, listen, just leave it here at our shop all summer. We're a good central point. You could take it to England. You could take it to Germany or, or wherever. So yeah. I might do that one of these years. It's something I kept it quiet the first couple of years because I wanted it to be like a surprise to where all of a sudden I fly to England for players, but I'm at the port picking the Corvair up, yeah. which would be hilarious too. But you know, with all the logistics, it'd be fun to like hype it up and get some sponsors on board, you know, get airlift performance involved or get, get a bunch of people involved in like, uh, breaking down the cost of everything. And mm. even some of the show promoters had shown interest in that. Um, David Murphy from retro rides was actually looking at shipping the car just solely on him to get it over. But I think if a bunch of show promoters and Adrian from racism is like this too, if a bunch of show promoters like divvied up the cost, you know, and they all pitched in like, two or $300 and that car went to all those shows, that would be the yeah, two right. grand it would cost to ship it or whatever. So yeah, that's something I've definitely been planning on. Um, okay. So we got another, James, do you have the questions up as well? Do you want to ask any of them? Do any of them there? Yeah. Uh, James hasn't said anything at all this, this whole podcast. I've, I've just been enjoying the podcast. <laughs> James <laughs> is just listening here. You can get one of this Guinness in a can. Get them up there, James. Sure. And you can ask the next one. Um, right. What we got, we got, um, well, I suppose, how would a younger brand get into the car scene with no name? I'm, I'm assuming brand? He, he means that the car brand will have a name. <laughs> he just means no reputation. <laughs> well, here's here's my take on that. So, and this is, this is coming from my experience with the Governor's Club, because as you guys know, since you've known me long enough, I don't, I hardly ever post from the TGC Instagram. That's currently about to turn 21,000 followers. And I, I post like once a month from that page. Like I don't do anything. Like, so the engagement on that Instagram is amazing because everyone who's there or has stayed there is there because they came on their own accord. So yeah. I think I think the main thing, and this isn't coming from someone who built some sort of brand that is like monster. You know what I mean? Like I don't have six figure following or anything like that, but I've been around long enough and I've seen the fake stuff rise and get huge but it's clear that it's fake. And then I've seen the real stuff 
rise a little bit, but never go beyond because that person doesn't want it to become something fake. So with, in my opinion, it's crucial to stay real. It's crucial to stay like, cause to just to yourself, you know what I mean? Like, don't fake it till you make it like do something that you back 100%. And that, that genuine organic, uh, grind that you're putting into your brand or your business or whatever will be reflected onto the public, you know, and, and I've get, I've gotten plenty of people over the years that have, that have kind of passed compliments in, in that type of space where they're like, you know, you know, it's awesome what TGC has done because it seems so real to me. And I'm like, at this point, that's, it's, it's, it's almost like the movie inception. You've seen inception, obviously. (laughs) It's almost yeah. like you you plant you plant this thing at the very base level, and then from there it carries itself with the overall agenda or plan that you wanted. So, basically, yeah, my only advice is is to be organic, be real, and 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 don't yeah don't force something that doesn't want to be forced. I think the true work comes into trying to find something that will work, but also be real. So yeah, yeah, I think if you're trying to start a brand in the automotive scene involve your friends involve the images and style that you like personally don't try to manipulate or copycat someone else even if that image may not be like the norm right now like just do something real like be hang out with your friends modify your car the way you want to modify your car enroll as a crew together and just have fun and be friends and and before you know it that will be a thing that other people want to be a part of because of that real realistic that's aspect uh, i guess a lot better answer than I would have give a hundred percent. No, and you know what? It even shines light. Uh, I was like, you know what? I agree with everything. I except for the bit where you just compared yourself to Leonardo DiCaprio. But uh, <laughs> you know what I meant? The overall like inception of an idea. No, absolutely no. Christopher so Nolan, not necessarily Leo. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, did Hans do the uh, soundtrack for that one? I'm sure he did. Oh yes, if Christopher yes, he Nolan did. Uh, was involved. I'm sure he did. Um, so or if I brought, or if I brought the movie up, of course Hans Zimmer did the score. <laughs> Just real quick before James gets one in, Soul Favors asks, um, "Why are you about three foot tall? <laughs> Why am I three foot tall? <laughs> That's what he asked. Who said that? This guy. Oh my gosh, Soul Flavors. He makes um, air fresheners in the UK. You might have seen his stuff, but uh, he's, oh, a, he's okay. the biggest joker you'll ever have met. met. <laughs> yeah, he's he's rich and he hasn't even met you. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. That was, that was just about to say. I don't even know if I've met him before, because uh, yeah, I'm not the tallest. And I posted a photo uh, standing next to Kaisel at SEMA this year, just because I was <laughs> oh, at SEMA. Yeah. I was going around taking photos with like all my friends, because I I was yeah. like, hey, we're all here. We're gonna get photos with like all my buddies. So I saw Kaisel and got a photo with him, and he's like eight foot ten. So um, <laughs> if he saw that photo, I look like I'm three foot tall. But I'm five foot eight, five foot nine. I'm really not. <laughs> I'm not the shortest. I'm not that six foot man that all the girls want, but I'm five foot eight. I feel like I'm. <laughs> is, was the question why like am I three foot tall? Because if that if the question was why am I three foot tall, I I don't I don't have a good answer for that. I don't know. <laughs> all right, James, what'd you call this? Uh, I'd love to know how you find the 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 questions. Oh, <laughs> that's a question for you, Adam. <laughs> that's a question for me. Okay, so you, yeah. Instagram, James? <laughs> yep, I've, I've got Instagram. Hit the little uh, menu icon on our profile, top right. I got there, and then I went Hit to... Uh, archive. I went there. And then just scroll back to the one where we asked the questions. All right, I got that far. 
Okay. Um, now I, oh, hold on, I went out of it. Interesting <laughs> content here. This is just teaching people how to go back in your Instagram stories to one that you previously. If you go into the Instagram story, you can click on who's seen it, and it brings up the questions as well. Yeah. Oh, really? Ah, uh, right. Yeah, so there we go. That's where I went wrong. Just um, on that one, just click uh, who's seen it at the bottom left, and then hit responses if you all. Perfect. Do you want to pick? There you go. Do you want to pick one? Or do you want me to give you a really quick one while you're finding one you like? Yeah, yeah. Fire out a quick one. All right. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Lou and Slow, who's one of our friends here, by the way, John. Um, yeah, I know him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good friend, Tom. He goes, I want to ask him where my sticker he promised me a player's last year is. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, no. Oh, man, Tom. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So basically what happened there was... Uh, I think, I hope I'm right here, that it wasn't like an order that came in on the web store that he like paid for. I'm hoping that I just forgot no, about. I think, he maybe I think it was swindled. I think I, <laughs> well, yeah, I think I basically was like, I think I was like, Hey man, I'll send you a sticker. Uh, Cause he was, he was really into, into TGC and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'll send you a yeah. sticker. So yeah, I completely failed. I'm going to, I'm going to write that down. I've got dry erase boards in every room of my house. I'll write it down to make sure I get in touch with them. <laughs> yeah i have so i'm sorry tom what <laughs> yeah he says also if he's looking for someone to drive his century i'll do it <laughs> he'll have to get in line there's uh cory's like the cory's like the first person he helped me drive that thing across america and he's still interested in actually driving me around in that thing which is hilarious but yeah i will be taking uh all applications for drivers for sure because you get driven in that car you don't drive it what else you got there, James? What was in the duffel bag from the HTOI 2017 video entry? You want to talk about that intro real quick in case anyone hasn't seen yeah, it? Yeah, I suppose. Well, that was the um, the first proper time that we filmed with John. Um, the previous year, we quickly, as we already touched on, filmed the covert in about 15 minutes. <laughs> as yeah. The sun had already set as well. But the following year, we I messaged you and I was like, "Look here, we need to. We want to make it a sick intro for the film. We want to make it '80s vibe. The you know the uh, the BMW is perfect. Uh, can you guys like? It was you and uh, Ben, right? Ben um, Walker. Can yep, you guys ben just Walker. wear like something that's kind of like real plain and basic? And I've got this idea. We'll get a bag and we'll just like get it out of the uh, the car uh, or bring it to the car. I think it was like Bam was arriving. Yeah, I was picking him up at the yeah. airport. Yeah, it was very, very like Reservoir yeah. Dogs-ish. And yeah. it's funny to me always to this yeah. date that it was just a Reebok bag and we just never bothered to get up like a, a blank bag. <laughs> we, you you want to know what was actually in that oh. bag though? Because, you know, I didn't know if you were going to take like a Pulp Fiction kind of like avenue oh, well, where that, that was the know, idea assume... wasn't it that we were never going to say but yeah yeah i'm actually not interested yeah. in what was in the bag <laughs> what, what Pe- was it people what was in the bag sean <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> so yeah because i mean there's always been speculation that ving rames's soul was in the briefcase in pulp fiction and like that there's like this crazy outlook and all that but really all that was in that duffel bag in that film was mike cashman's underwear <laughs> <laughs> nice. that's it it was my, just because it was his duffel bag that, yeah <laughs> it was just his uh yeah it was just his bag that he brought his clothes down ocean city and that was it yeah there you go nothing too crazy okay so uh question for john 
this is we should have been naming the people. I feel sorry for I feel bad for not naming the people that have been asking these questions. So this is Lewis G D N and he asked, What car would you have in the UK that you can't have in the States? That's a good question. Oh, yeah. Um I know I talked to you yesterday and wanted to know if you had any questions at that time <laughs> that would be good to feed well, me. I, so I, I can think about it a little bit. There. There's quite a few here, so I, I didn't see them all. Yeah, there. yeah. So, yeah, and I'm sure that that one may not have had already come in at that point when I spoke to you yesterday, but that would have been a good one to actually kind of sit down and think about a little bit because there's a bunch. Um, so a Mark One or Mark II Escort, hands down, well, like full-blown. You can't get them in the US, no? Well, you can by yeah. importing them now, but we never got... So Euro, Euro Ford was a totally different like company than yeah. uh america ford and uh we never got the right. sierra like we got the mercur yeah. xr4ti which is basically the sierra um Did we get a Mondeo? but we didn't get the sierra no uh, we didn't and i want them on day yeah i want them <laughs> yep i, I dude i a euro ford is probably one of my favorite automotive manufacturers and Corey and i talk about the, talk about this a lot on my podcast and when I was at Players Classic last year with Corey, I ran into uh, a friend who has a Mark II Escort, but his father had a Mark I Escort he was trying to sell. And I was in the process of trying to line up the sale of my 7 Series, and I was actually going yeah. to pull the trigger on a Mark I Escort from England. And so it'd be a Mark I or Mark II Escort, or four years ago when I came over, I test drove a 1970, it was a 69 or 70, Triumph 2000 Estate, and... And I, we ha, we got the 2000 sedans here in the States, but they're mega rare. But we never got the estate version, like the wagon version. And I was at a friend's shop, and it was on the lift, and, and I, or the hoist, whatever you guys call it over there. And and I was the like, lift, man, that car looks amazing. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I ever heard somebody call it the hoist. <laughs> what's a lift? <laughs> well, that wouldn't surprise me, though, because you guys are always like, oh, what's a foot? Where do you, a well, yard? Did, like, how you know, do you even, like, we did measure a yard? John. <laughs> yeah, but what, dude? But listen, here's my take on that. You can't, your argument. <laughs> Shit down, Adam. You've already here's said that yeah. like Ford made better ca cars here in the UK than they did in America. So. Yes, 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 yes. But but if we're going to, and this is a quick little side <laughs> bit. If you're going to argue at all that like the metric system or any of this stuff like holds up against like standard American like measuring systems, you got, you guys failed. Like when you started calling anything stone, it's over. Like it's just, it's right. over. Well, here, like really stone quick, is just i don't use stone i always say stone <laughs> no one should it's like 11 pounds or something ridiculous i use kg i yeah, use metric anyway. the only weird thing about the uk is is that we use miles for distance instead of kilometers yes that's, that's right yeah right. and that's yeah. just really strange to yeah. me but uh i'm used yeah. to it that's fine but now i use kg for weight but here back to yeah. you know what yes yeah, i was actually weird. amazed you you said there that uh you wanted more time down to that question but you nailed the, the escorts was a brilliant answer to be honest and uh yeah and that's that's something i've always wanted and and to finish that little two, 2000 triumph story is i got to test drive that car and and really wanted to try to purchase that car because at the time i did have a uk market car that america didn't get and i had a mark one and a half volkswagen derby which was a polo a mark one and a half and it yep so it was a facelifted mark one derby like sort of like brad von era yeah no i, ju I just yeah, like the but, way you said mark yep. one and a half we would always say facelift you know mark one facelift so that's uh that's an interesting yeah yeah for sure. 
There you go. Yeah, so and it was obviously built in Germany, but it was a right-hand drive UK market car, and we never got it here. And uh, yeah, that was a really fun car. But yeah, Mark One or Mark Two Escort, I'd say to round it out. Cool, James. Any other questions there? There's not much. There's uh, do you like Polo Nine Ends? But you won't even know. You know yes, of course I do. Did, did Johnny Smith <laughs> ask that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's a six end. Yeah, because oh, oh, it's a six end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nine, the nine end's a newer one, yeah, right? It's... Uh, do you, if, do you he get, if he wants my yeah, answer, it's get, no. <laughs> do you even get polos in America? No, I just know I'm a car no, no, I mean, man, so I just know. I didn't think you like, even got a polo over there. No, you don't get no, anything smaller no. than a golf, right? Golf's yeah. the smallest. So you yeah. do like we wouldn't yep. even discuss an up. A Volkswagen up. What was that? Oh, an up. Oh, I mean, <laughs> what was his name? What was that kid's name that was from like the Netherlands that had the up on hydraulics that came to the UK a lot? I don't know, but there was a guy uh, here locally that had a called Adam. Funny enough, had yeah. one. Yeah, was it white? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. A, okay, him and I have been friends on Instagram from, for a long time. Now. Yeah, um, it's gone. That's right. Um, I think he doesn't have it anymore, but yeah, we shot that. It was that was pretty, a cool. Uh, that was a cool car. Cool. Someone yeah, uh, that was a cool car. put a VR6 in one, too. This oh, is pretty cool. Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's awesome. The closest thing that North America got to something that quirky was we had a uh, like a city golf in Canada. Like, America didn't mm. get them. But it was like a Mark IV... It was like a Mark IV golf that had like a Mark, like Mark V taillights, some weird front end, and didn't even have a radio. Just had like heat controls. It was just like a basic... like. A to B golf, and that that was kind of like a weird. That was like the closest thing to a polo we ever got. There you go. Well, here, John. I think to be honest, we've been having a chat now for the guts of two hours, so I think it's about time to wrap this up. Um, yeah, man. Just before, I want to first of all say thank you very much for coming on. Anyway, because it's been it's been good. Uh, it's been a blast, and it, you know, as you previously mentioned, we've actually had a lot of random experiences together. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, we like have. the SpaceX thing, like the other ones. So um, you're the perfect first uh, candidate that we wanted to get on the podcast that obviously lived too far away that we could actually get you on. So appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you very much. Thank hey, you. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, you said it best. We, we've, we've been to a lot of crazy places together, which is crazy because a lot of those places weren't predetermined that we were going to be there together yeah. just so happens we, were and we want to go to a few more so time. Russia, as you previously mentioned, was meant to be on the cards for this year. But unfortunately, which, yeah, which even yeah. if it has to happen next year, like it's, yeah. And, and I appreciate it, man. I mean, even as I said, I'd love to have you guys on, on my podcast or vice versa again. It. I mean, love it'd be a great to, next time we see each other in person, we'll have to make it happen. So we're, we're in person and yeah, it'll be much easier to like <laughs> laugh and joke yeah, and like have, you know, a much more, it's fun. Yeah, to, that'd, that'd be awesome. But thank you guys. have a conversation here. We, none of us know how this is actually going to turn out. So, you know, <laughs> it yeah. could turn out absolutely <laughs> awful. Who knows? Well, I'm I'm curious to see how it comes out because a lot of the people that I want to have on my podcast have audio gear oh, really? and are capable yeah. of possibly, yeah. Because I mean, you know as well as I do, if you wanted to like, if you wanted to have a remote podcast with someone who doesn't have any of that gear, it, it makes it incredibly harder. So, uh, yeah, I'm eager to see how this comes out on the back end, you know, as a finished yeah. product. And that might motivate me to try to do the same with some well, other people. We're, we're hoping to, uh, hopefully the people watching this enjoyed it. Um, one of the things I just want to really say is what we always do is we always pick a random winner from our YouTube comments. 
So if you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple uh, Podcasts or anything else, head over to our YouTube channel. You can watch this whole podcast there. It might be kind of interesting because we are using Zoom to uh, record ourselves and have this conversation as well as proper cameras and proper microphones to record it. So it's a bit of an interesting dynamic. Uh, but at the same time, as I said, we're running a competition there. So go leave a comment on the YouTube um, video link. Um, say absolutely anything. In fact, I think the first winner ever was making fun of Don't James. Don't insult me again. <laughs> yeah. He was making fun of James <laughs> and bit, Jordan, and they won a prize. Rude, to be honest. Like. So yeah. what we do uh, in the next one, which is what we're about to do now, is we pick the, the winner from the last one. So get involved. We're going to send you a couple of t-shirts, uh, a couple of stickers, lanyards, whatever. I'm not sure exactly. Jordan just picks something random and ships it out to you. All you have to do is leave a comment on the YouTube channel, um, on the podcast, and we will pick it in the next podcast. So the last podcast, which was the coronavirus podcast, um, <laughs> we did the exact same thing. And I have a random um, comment generator here up on my phone. I'm about to pick a winner. Uh, and the winner is e Ewan Brown, E-W-A-N Brown. And his comment was, second this with a thumbs up. So like, <laughs> that's it. Wasn't we as interesting as the previous comments, but you win. Congratulations. Um, email us at i1 at ilovebase.co.uk. We'll also give you a comment uh, to let you know you won. So make sure uh, to drop us your address and we'll send out the stuff. And if you want to win the next time, all you have to do is go and comment on our YouTube. So also, guys, while I'm uh, talking about the YouTube, we are doing this on YouTube as well. You can watch the whole thing. Head over there, hit subscribe, watch the videos. Um, and of course, if you want, you can help support us by heading to the shop, picking up some merchandise. And uh, yeah, if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Music, please uh, subscribe, leave us a review. And uh, we will see you in the next one. Thank you very much to John. Uh, for being with us and uh, I think that's about it hey I appreciate you guys having me on thank you very much John and uh, don't be uh, going too crazy in lockdown I'm sure you have enough cars there to mess about with anyway yeah and music man trying to get the rising sea stuff done too so trying to get some music written as well as be in the shop so awesome well catch you guys later hey thanks guys yeah